tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Morning, welcome along to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. That's our free phone number. It won't cost you to make a call and Emma is looking after the programme today. Coming up on this morning's show is Simple Stadium Disability Friendly. Are you going to risk jail by burning turf this winter? Crime figures in Tipperary. A well-known Tipperary broadcaster will wear a poppy. Maurice Walsh will be with me live in studio to tell me why. The Bishop of Kerry was forced to apologise after a controversial weekend sermon and more heartache for train passengers. So all of that and more on the way. You can text on WhatsApp 083-311-3311. You can email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Always glad, of course, to hear from you, whatever way you want to make contact with us. Now, Semple Stadium at the weekend played host to two county finals. Laura Dora and Kilruan McDonald's came out as victors. Uh, our first caller this morning was there, but uh, has some issues with the stadium itself. Barbara, good morning to you. Hi, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed, and good good to talk to you today. First of Thank all, you. let's look at the positives, uh, Barbara. It was a great sporting occasion, wasn't it? It was fantastic. Yeah, we arrived in good time, and we got great parking and all that was mighty. Mm. There was, um, you know, there was no crowding at the styles. We were able to get in with the buggy. My sister-in-law was with me, and all that was grand. I suppose I felt when we arrived in, there wasn't too many stewards. Now, maybe... They were really busy because, mm-hmm. you know, obviously there's two sides to it really, isn't there? Mm-hmm. You know, and um, I found getting in kind of hard with the buggy. We had to get help from somebody to bring the buggy up um, and then trying to find the space. Um, I mean, we had a great day only for the, the two issues that I really, that really stood out for me were the, I suppose, the inclusiveness for children and for elderly. Now I'm not elderly, but I spotted sure. a few elderly. Yeah, and tell me, tell me what you saw, Barbara. Oh God, you know, I saw these two men on two separate occasions, yeah. and both of them had two walking sticks each, and you know, it really broke my heart. Right, so they were struggling. They were struggling. Well, one lad was one man was sitting like leaning against the wall. Now I felt he was probably waiting for the crowd to go, mm. so he could get in, but I can't understand how, you know how there isn't help. I couldn't understand how there wasn't somebody to help to bring him in through a tunnel or get him the nearest seat or Mm. why did... I saw another man struggling to go up the steps with two sticks. Now, in fairness, if he was my father, I wouldn't have allowed him up the steps with two sticks. Did you think it was dangerous for him? Well, I did think that. I thought that man, I thought it was very dangerous because he was wobbly enough as it was. Yes. You know, but you know, also, like... Like what I said in the email, mm. you know, during COVID restrictions, all these older people, they, were, they couldn't leave their houses. And then they couldn't even go to a hurling match, let it, let it be Cop Jordan or Bursa Cain to stand in a pitch. Mm. They couldn't do that. And here they were coming to Central Stadium to look at two great matches. And I felt 
they just looked like there was too many obstacles in the way. It just didn't look very inclusiveness. It, I thought really a lack of compassion. And you made an interesting comparison because you were saying, you know, when people are queuing up to um, at, at funeral homes and the yes. like, that uh, the, yeah. T- tell us about that, uh, just by way funerals, of comparison. Um, I've seen it at funerals where say where there would be a very long queue. Um, I've seen it actually happening in Nina in Kelleher's. Mm. where there was a long queue for about two hours, you know, back as far as, um, what you call it, uh, St. Joseph's Park, is it? Yes. Yeah. And somebody would come and walk the line and anyone with a walking stick or crutches would be bought up. I've seen it done in Loch Grey, I've seen it done in Bertumla, I've seen it done in lots of places. And I think it's a lovely thing to do because it's hard enough to stand, it's hard enough to stand for a half an hour, but if you're stuck in a queue for two hours, walking very slowly and hoping there's a wall or a gate or something you can lean up against. But I think that it's a lovely thing to do. And and I just, mm. to see that done at funerals and then to, you know, you go to Central Stadium, Field of Legends, and as I said, you know, these guys probably played hurling in their day. Yeah, yeah. And, and they're... S- supported all supported. their lives. Uh, supported their lives. their clubs all, the, all their lives. All their possibly, lives, yeah. yeah. And it just, it just, it, it was very, you know, really did break my heart. It was hard to see, you know. Tell me a little more about your own case now with the children and the buggy and that, yeah. Barbara. Well, yeah. now, I was with my sister-in-law and she has two kids, a uh, three-year-old and a uh, one-and-a-half-year-old. So one of them is in the buggy. So, uh, well, we arrived in anyway, we couldn't see a steward and a man very kindly helped us bring the buggy up the steps. So we got up the steps anyway, we got in and we did see a steward then and I said, um, oh, the spot I wanted to go, it was really funny actually, I said, oh, can we go over there where there was a flat kind of concreted area and he goes, oh no, that's where the presentation is and I was like, well, I can't go there, so <laughs> yeah, so I was like, right, I'm sure there's a flat surface over the other side. Well, I wasn't allowed to walk across the pitch so I had to go around the perimeter. So that's fine, I don't mind that. Uh, so we did that anyway. And was uh, it easy enough to get around with a buggy? Uh, it was grand because they had the gates. When you're on the flat, they had the gates open. Okay, so you were fine. So then. you were able yeah. to go around. And of course, you see, when we landed in, I didn't realise that, you see, we were so early too. We were probably there before the team. Uh, we were there so early that uh, the money goal side were taken that side. So I was like, oh, jeez, we'll go over there. So, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> we were very much the blue and white. <laughs> so yeah. when we arrived over the other side, anyway, um, we did meet at George and I said, look, um, where can we go with the buggy? Like I said, where is the wheelchair area? Hmm. Uh, now, we're not in wheelchairs, but I'm course, assuming there'd be yeah. space for a buggy. Hmm. Well, he pointed over beyond, like, I, I, I couldn't even put it into yards or feet how far away it was. And I just said to him, I said, well, I said, if it was raining, now, Fran, I don't know where you were today, but I know where I am, and it's mm. lashing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah and I said, um, I said, and, and if it was raining, I said, where, where are they to go? He says, that's just the way it is. Now, that's not his fault. Yes, of course. But, but he didn't give you, his opinion. He just gave me the answer, and he was right. It and they, was just this there. is the designated area for wheelchairs. Yeah. Now we didn't actually go down there. We had to get somebody to lift us up the steps to the next level, kind of where there was a little bit of a flat surface. Right. But, but where do you put a buggy? I'm just thinking with the seating. Well, we had to leave it on. You know, we'll say it now. I'm trying to. When you're on the flat, we'll okay. say pitch level. Right. You go up the steps to the next level. Mm-hmm. Okay, and we just had to put the buggy up against the railing, which was kind of, I, I suppose, it was kind of in everyone's way, and I suppose every other 
there was loads of buggies along the line. Mm. They were all doing it. But it just made, it was single line traffic then for people walking, at, especially at half time, running down to the toilet, running down for tea or whatever. It was just making it tight. Right, but, but you had to take the baby out of the buggy, did you? No, 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 no. we could leave him in the buggy. Okay. No, we could leave him in okay. the buggy because we were at that level. But we had to sit right there, then we would have hoped. Now, if it was a day like today, your better option probably would have been to go home, to be honest. To, to I can't imagine. Home. Well, I can't imagine having to hold two children for a match, you know, mm. and they'd want to be walking around. That's the whole point of bringing the buggy is that the child was comfortable. And if it had been a day like today, your better option would have been just to go back to the car. You know. Yeah, and is it a case that you think it should be made more attractive so so that families can come along and well, enjoy it with, with very little hassle? I, I think so. Like, my sister-in-law says to me, she said, like, like she's a lifelong member of the GAA in Kerry. And she, she felt herself, it was so disappointing, you know, for her and her children. And, and, and she hopes that, well, we do, we all hope they play hurling, you know, but she felt the facilities were so bad. And it's not, like... If you're if you're a, if your husband or wife or whoever is playing today, obviously you'll all want to go. The whole family will want to go. Of course. But it's very hard when the facilities aren't there to to make it a little bit more comfortable. Yeah. Now you're making it quite clear you're not using this opportunity to take oh God, no. a, to take a shot at Semple oh, Stadium. Oh Jesus, not at all. Yeah, yeah, not at all. And I mean, look at. As I said, we got parking nice and handy. Yeah. We got in this, everything, and the place is so lovely and clean. Mm. Sure, I was delighted with myself. Yeah. And mm. it, it was lovely. But, you know, the point is, you know, oh, yeah, back to the, did I tell you about the toilet? No, you didn't. Will you tell oh, me about yeah, that? Was that about the, the changing? Uh... Yeah, the baby changing room. So yeah. my sister-in-law went down to change the baby, and there was no light. And she couldn't stretch her leg out to hold the door. The way, the way the door was, the distance from the door to the changing table. So she came back up to me to get me to come down to hold the door for her. Oh, now, they didn't even have lights. I, I, I honest to God couldn't see where, I couldn't see a light switch. Now, I know there are these little things probably they kind of do annoy me, but that's because they're little things mm. and they should be easily mended. Yeah, I mean, this is to make it family-friendly, you know. Yeah. It's well, well it's, a, it's a big thing if you want to change a baby, Well, it's you a know? big thing when it comes to changing the baby, but, it's a, you know, there's light switches everywhere. So, you know, like every changing room probably had lights on. Are you a regular match, match goer, Barbara? I would be regular to the club, probably not to Simple Stadium yeah. or to county matches, but I would be to club matches, right. yeah. And this is Laura Dora, is it? Yes, yeah. yes. Okay, and, and congratulations, by the way. Great. Uh, great. That's you, it was great excitement, yeah. wasn't it? Must, must have been fantastic. Was yeah, there a bit of a homecoming and all of that as well? There was, yeah, yeah. but we got caught in traffic coming home, so we were kind of, uh, I'd say, half at North of Prairie were coming home the same road. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, there was great, great celebrations. I'm sure I think they're still, still celebrating. So, yeah, um, right, rightly so, too. Yeah, yeah. You have fantastic um, facilities up in that club, though. I know the club there. Uh, yeah, well. they have. Yeah, yeah, it's a fine club up there now. Should they have the gym and and the two rooms and loads of dressers? Should it's lovely and a yeah. fine stand as well, I have to say. Absolutely. So, you're putting it out there, Barbara, just to be a little more family friendly and a little more friendly towards older people who might have mobility issues. Yeah, it's just. You know, we all know the GEA have money. And it's just a pity they can't put a little bit in just to make it a little bit, like you say there, a little bit more family-friendly. Like, when I saw them two men on Sunday, I, I, I know a gentleman who's elderly, 
and who's played for Tip. And I know he would have loved to have been there on Sunday, but probably would be very difficult for him. And isn't that shocking? It's an awful pity. Um, isn't that an awful uh, pity? So, you know... Yeah, Mick was on to us and he says that Semple has a ramp up to the steps and persons with a disability or a pram can enter via the tunnel to the front rows where all is flat. Does that make sense to you? No, I didn't see... Well, we didn't see any signs anyway. Right, and you, and did, you said, didn't see anything in, about, no, about entry via the tunnel to the front. You didn't see no, anything. No, when we came in first, we went up kind of... up a little hill kind of a thing. Right. And... Like, as I said, when we first went in, there wasn't too many stewards, but like that, they would have been busy kind of getting things in order, so I can understand that. But were you, is it fair to say you were forced into a situation where you had to go up steps? Yes. Right, okay. Now, if I had known I could go through the tunnel, I'm sure we would have had. Right, but nobody told you about that? No, I didn't know that. Right. Now, we were one of the first lot in, like we, the styles opened and we were there. So... Uh, one of our listeners saying, I, I'd love your reaction to this, uh, saying, um, should buggies be brought to matches at all? But sure. What do you say to that person? Sure, like, I mean, sure, leave the children at home, so, I mean, that's, you know, my point, my answer to that would be, why would you want to leave the buggy at home? Why? Yeah. I mean, sure? I mean, we want these children to play GA, we want them to play for the GA in the years to come. Of course, and you want to encourage under six, families. Under eight, under ten, yeah. and it's supposed to be family. Like, we, I, I go to my son's matches all the time, and we're all at the side of the pitch, and the kids are playing tag, and we're all there watching. Mm. Why, why shouldn't we bring... Is it possible, Barbara, that the facilities are there, but it wasn't made clear to you, is that...? Maybe, possibly, the facilities yeah. are there, and maybe there wasn't. I didn't see any signs, right. or there was nobody to tell us that we could go through the tunnel. Right, but either way... You had yeah. hardship because of this, and it shouldn't be like yeah. that. Also, though, another point would be, yeah. like, I didn't rightly see where the wheelchair access or where the wheelchairs go. Mm. You know, people with mobility issues, you know, people who are in wheelchairs, okay? okay. Well, Barbara, will you stay with me for a moment? Because joining yeah. me now is an old friend of mine and uh, a wheelchair user, uh, Michelle O'Shea from Go- Golden, who is a Navid GAA fan indeed. Michelle, good morning to you. How are you going? Are you good? I'm good, Michelle, and it's lovely to hear your voice again. It's been been quite a few years. Um, you're a wheelchair user, and for as long back as I can remember, Michelle, you attend matches in Semple Stadium. Um, what's your experience? I, I go I go to every game, and I'm still going for years. When I go to the match in Semple Stadium, I knock on the wheel. There's a, a door there, and it says wheelchair, and I knock on the wheelchair door, and I go down along the tunnel, and then we're on the flat. Like there's a special door oh. there. And wheelchairs printed on it, and and uh, I knocked on that, and they let me in. And you never have a problem there. No, but there is no light. Um, say in the toilet, like if you go to the toilet, there's no there's no light there. Say I think the that's the same toilet. toilet. I think that's possibly the same toilet that we were probably in. Yeah, see, the wheelchair is probably the same as mm. the changing unit. So there's no no light in the in the toilet, Michelle. But you don't have a problem with access. No, I don't. But I have. Um, I have to say, I go to every match uh, around Ireland, and the best place for uh, for mobility tile, I think, is is the Gaelic grounds in Limerick. Is it? Because the tile is so big, you could nearly swing a car in it. All right, so so they have it organised there. But you've had some bad experiences, Michelle. I know in places like Cork and Waterford, haven't you? Well, um, I, well, say um, Cork. Uh, 
uh, well, sorry, Warford. Um, it could be fixed now since the last day I was there. Mm. The last day I was there, say, Tip were playing Warford, say, this year. And the sink was too high. I couldn't really get in to wash my hands. I tried to get in mm. as far as I could, but the sink was really too high to wash my hands after going to the toilet. Oh, God almighty. Wouldn't you think they'd have stuff like that together? Michelle, I remember seeing you uh, years ago. You'd, you'd actually be on the sideline. Is that all gone now? <laughs> Um, I'm like when I go to Torles, uh, we go in where the new stand is, like in there. Yes. That's where the features go now, where the new stand is. Right. So, but do you, do you remember where you used to be? You were always on, on the sideline practically, weren't you? Uh, we were go- uh, I used to be where um, the old stand where you go in train and say, yes. if you want to go in watch them train, I used to be there. Right. And, and uh, then you're shifted to a designated area now, is that it? In the new stand, yeah, but there's uh, there's not much shelter there, but you've good view, you've you, you've good uh, view uh, in, in Torles. One thing I will say about the GA, though, um, they always will have a toilet there, and um, like I'm only speaking from my point. Like yeah. I go to pubs and restaurants and hotels. Like you go into the hotel, you have a toilet, but if you want to stay overnight. Um, you can't because the beds are too high and I can only drink mm. myself on a lower bed and the same in the pubs if I go into a pub for say two hours I can't go to the toilet so I have to watch what I drink and and, and then like we say it, um, it's, it's really difficult and if, if I want to go away for a day I have to plan I have to plan my day and see where have a t- where have um, a disabled toilet and where don't? Jeez, Michelle, I, I thought they had all of that sorted. Obviously not. So I think people with disabilities are forgotten about. Do you? Yeah, and I, I thank you this morning for bringing me on the radio to highlight it. And maybe you should do more of it. Maybe you should bring it up on the Friday panel there, or maybe <clears> there <throat> summer shows around. You should maybe go into a place to have a disability that you can see yourself have a show there, from, like maybe ask. There's Swiss Association to do a show with you. Yeah, well, you might like to come on that panel, Michelle, yourself. But it's really bad, like, yeah. uh, thank you this morning for bringing me on. People don't realise, like, say if I go out for a night out, which is very rare, yeah, I'd love to go out, but I can't. Because if I go out, I have to maybe, I can't get into the toilet. So the only way I can get into the toilet is I, I leave the door open and someone stands in front of me till I go. But what about the person... I can use the toilet myself, but what about the person that can't, that has to be lifted on? Well, yeah. I mean, their dignity is, is being attacked there, you know? Do you know what I mean? And I mean, uh, like, okay, you go, I go to the J matches, not every toilet is perfect. I, I agree with that lady, not every toilet is perfect. Mm. She's right. But at least, like, in the restaurants, like, some, some of them have no toilets at all. So if I'm in the restaurant for two, three hours, I sit there without going to the toilet. And That's I have to watch and I drink. And I tell you, it's desperate hard when you want to go. And the pubs are the same. Not, not one pub, any pub I was in, not one of them have a wheelchair toilet. They all do up their, their toilets, or they all do up their premises, but they forget about the, the person that's disabled We no toilet. Barbara, is it similar issues for a, a young mum with a baby? Um, the majority of the majority of pubs, well, not that I go to pubs too often, probably, mm. you know, kind of bar restaurants, yeah. they would have changing units. Right. You know, but your changing unit would be outside the two cubicles. So I always feel, you know, if you're changing a baby and somebody walks in, yeah. it could be a very 
messy experience for the poor person walking in the door to what they have to witness. You know, it could be a really bad nappy or something or other. But, you know, if they had, the cha- if they had a change in unit, we'll say in a cubicle, it would be an awful lot more just a little bit more decent for you and for the child and for the poor devil coming in the door. I know, but, but I mean, I see these, what these Michelle are natural things. Yeah, what do you think of what Michelle but is I saying? But I see what Michelle is saying, and you know what? It is like, back to Central Stadium, my God, it was only a light bulb. Yeah. And it's so important. It's so important. Yeah, you think it's it's something very small, but maybe... And I'm not knocking them by any means at of, all. Of course, but let me you ask know. you a question. I don't mean to be smart to you both here, yeah. but can I go to you first, Barbara? Did you report it? No, I did not. Okay. Michelle, did you report about the lights? No, because I'm going there for years and I have someone with me and I just leave a small bit of the, t- t- the tile is all open for a little bit of light. But is the light... Do the lights ever work there, Michelle? Well, I've, I, I, I can't remember, but I've never seen them work there anyway. Yeah, yeah. Like I know a neighbour of mine, the same, He when he went down to change his little lad and he had to use his phone. Now, luckily for him, his little lad is nearly three. So, yeah. But my sister-in-law's little lad is only a year and a half, so she couldn't hold the phone and change him because sure he'd be off the table, you know. Do you know, so, what, what would you both say to this? I, I see, do you know, sometimes I despair with some of the texts I get in here. Somebody's saying to us this morning, surely you have more important things to be talking about. Michelle, no, Michelle, I, I, how does that make you feel, Michelle? Well, you see, that's what, I, that's what I'm saying. People with disabilities are forgotten yeah. about. Like, it's all right for me because I can, I, I, I can transfer myself onto the toilet, right? But what about the person that can't, that needs maybe two people to help him to lift them on? Yeah. Yeah. I somewhat feel sorry for the person that has messaged in there because this is important. Somebody with a disability is important. Emma, will you try and get that person on air with us? I mean, if they think this is not important, I'd love to know why. Will you give them a ring for me uh, and, and see will they come on in? Because, because that's actually, you know, I shall look at here. What do you do? And, I... and like the man said yesterday, you were the man on yesterday, friend. Was it Christy? Yeah. Yeah, and he said, we all have our own opinions. And he's right. Yes, yes. We do all have our... And that person you're ringing there, that is their opinion. And that's fine. That's their... It's, yeah, it's I, not I, fine with me, but it's theirs. Yeah, I, I just don't understand why they wouldn't see this as important. You know, I mean, this involves young I, children. I would think they probably... I would feel they probably think that my story with the children and the buggies is probably what they're cribbing at now more so than probably people with disabilities. Well, I'd mm. hope anyway. Well, I mean, it's it's your experience with a young yeah. child, Barbara, and you're perfectly entitled to talk to us Absolutely. about that. And this is with a good heart. This is somebody oh, who, yeah. who loves GAA, loves Simple Stadium, all of these things. And you know what the funny part was, like, when we arrived, we weren't allowed to walk across the pitch, so we'd go across the, the perimeter. But Jesus, when we won, then we got to run out on the pitch. We were all very excited. <laughs> ah, but sure, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to. Somebody telling me Semple Stadium is not under the GAA. It's run by Semple Stadium Management Committee. The GAA have to pay to use it. It's chaired um, separately as well. So there you go. So, I mean, but it doesn't matter who's running it. I mean, the issues mm-hmm. are, are, are still the same. Michelle, over the last, I don't know, since I, I knew you way back in the 90s, um, have you seen things improve any for, for somebody with, in a wheelchair? Yeah, I mean, the tides have got a lot better, like, you yeah. know what I mean? And even in, in Torless, like, to be honest and fair about it, like, the tides have improved a lot, like, they have. I'm only talking about myself, like, what I think, but the pubs mm-hmm. and the restaurants and the hotel is a disgrace. 
All right. Well, guys, I have to leave it there, but it was smashing to speak to you both. Uh, Barbara and Michelle, thank you so much for coming thank on with so us much, today. Thank you so much, friend. Thank care. you. Thank you. Bye-bye, Bye-bye to you. 1800-938-007. The text and WhatsApp is 083-311-3311. We'll take a break and uh, we'll be right back in just a moment. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Francis joins me now. Francis, good morning. Good morning, Fran. Good to talk to you today, Francis. Uh, you attended the games over the weekend as well. Um, I did, ticket, and the previous weekend. And the previous weekend. And yes. ticket prices is your gripe, Francis. Will you tell me about well, that? The, it's not ticket prices as such. I'm an old-age pensioner, mm. and I am sporting Horland and Tipperary and Tipperary teams and Club Horland for a long time. My first county final was in 1960 and it was a unique event because uh, and rare because the county final was actually played in Templemore and I remember as a nine-year-old standing on the bank in Templemore looking at these legends from Torles Arfield taking on Tommy Vara and Tommy Vara had a man with a black cap playing in the middle of the field. He had some kind of a head injury or something and that was a very strange thing back in the that time to see somebody actually wear something on their head and you knew all these players because you could see their faces which you can't see now for safety well, it. yeah of but course yeah but it, it sticks in your mind you it's it does. yeah it's yeah. incredible so and you've been going you've been attending games all these years then all these, that's 62 years ago wow and in 1980 when the GA invested a lot of money in building the stadium and the stand that was going into on Sunday, which is 42 years ago, uh, there was a need of funding because they laid out a lot of money Mm. on the development of that. And I paid €100 for a season ticket. I think it was... I actually have a stub of it here, a simple stadium season ticket, 1980, and this pass is not valid. When Ardon Orin is pre-booked as pass holders will be issued with a number ticket by mm. post. Mm. So I have been, but now I'm an old age pensioner. Mm. And it was always to my understanding that old age pensioners and students would have a concession of some amount, usually a fiver, would be knocked off the price. Mm. But for the last two Sundays, I don't know who made the decision or why the decision was made, but we had to pay a full price. And I'm sure them two people that the lady spoke of in your previous mm. people with history and with uh, problems with, with, with mobility. But I'm blessed that I'd have no problems with yeah, no good mobility. Stuff. I'm delighted to hear it. But, that's, that's good. Um, yeah. When I'm in my 70s. But uh, the fact, I think, I wouldn't say it was a lack of respect for us, but a lack of appreciation for people who have given so much... Right. And uh, is the point, Francis, that there was no old-age pension concession over concession. the... Is, is, is that my, it? 
Right, and, and, two weekends. Right. Now, and we, we got a statement from the GAA on this, and I, I'd love your reaction to it because they're pointing out that there was a, um, a, a sale uh, as such because the weekend pass giving the opportunity to attend every game being played over the weekend. And that weekend pass was €15, which they tell us is uh, unbelievable value for money. And they also went on to say that they offer supporters the opportunity to purchase a season pass at a cost of €150. So they're saying this is all extremely good value indeed. What what do you make of that? Well, I wouldn't quibble with the value of last Sunday's uh, match at all. Mm. It's them... It's the whole idea of lack of appreciation for the people, the long-serving people yes. like myself who are going to this. And we were in previous games that I have attended this year. My daughter buys the tickets online for me because I'm not good in that yeah. respect. Yeah. And she was able to get an old-age uh, pass which had a reduction on it. And I couldn't understand why on the last two Sundays, when, which is the centrepiece of a hurling in the county, that they would decide not to allow us that right. bit of what I call appreciation. Right. And for, is, for that. is that how... Explain to me how they could show proper appreciation of people like yourself going to games for over 60 years at this point. Well, I think it's that simple thing that there would be a reduced fee once you produce your, your yes. old age pension pass, like when you're getting on a train, it's free, or on a bus, it's free, or that kind of thing, that there would be a reduction. It's it's an appreciation. That's what I'm, I'm saying. And I don't want to... I'm a supporter of the GA and I'm a supporter of the Tip County Board and the competitions. What they have done with the competitions in the last few years, they have streamlined it. And instead of going to these games where in previous years going back along, somebody got popped by 25 pints and it was no contest. Now you have a senior competition, you have a premier intermediate, you have an intermediate and a junior, and everyone is playing at our level, at a level, and the games are very good. So I have to say it to Joe and Timmy and Jonathan and all those people who are involved in that they're doing a brilliant job and they're presenting us with a great product. And I appreciate that product, and I appreciate the right. work they're doing. But there should be more appreciation for just, people like yourself it, who have been... It, was, it yeah. was kind of standard thing down the years that you would have a, a gate for uh, for students and OAPs. Yes. But that vanished. And the thing, what really brought it to my mind so much was I went with a Kilkenny man to the match the first day and I went with a leash person to the match the last day. When we were going in through the gate, this person said to me, that God, you're very mean on all age pensioners in Tipperary because he said, at the county final in Leash and at the county final in Offaly, there was reductions for old age pensioners, but in Tipperary, there's no reduction. And that's what really triggered it in my mind. I wasn't, I wasn't, I was just delighted to be getting into and able to go to a county final and enjoy it. Yes. And uh, it's just a small thing. It's just a little something that's irking me and it's not earth shattering, but I'm sure there was a lot of people, all age pensioners and that, that might have found 
the yeah. 20 euros the previous Sunday, just a little just bit. Just a little bit too and much. Well, particularly nowadays with the cost of living, yeah. I suppose, Francis, as well, just, you know. Yeah. That's just a little gripe I have. And, yeah, well, and, uh, and you're perfectly uh, allowed to have it as well. Francis, thank you. I would you. love, I would go, love go to know how many other counties uh, didn't uh, give a concession. Yeah. How many other did Cork, Kilkenny, Watford, Limerick, would be interesting to know. Well, let's put it, it out there because I, I'm sure that some of our listeners would know that and of course... Well, uh, I can yeah. tell you that for Leach and Offaly there was. Right. That's all I know. But I'm but, sure I'd love to know from the Limericks and the Corks and Kilkenny's okay. what way they... Well, let's put it out there, Francis, and see what the story is. It was really, right. good, really good to talk to you today, and Francis. Thank you very much for giving me the oh, time you're, to hear my little gripe. You're and as I say, I'm not, I'm not here to knock the GA I know that. or the fellas who are running the GA or doing what I call a, a brilliant job. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair, fair enough, Francis, and thank you for coming on with us uh, today. Uh, can you enlighten us what the story is in some other counties, if you if you know? Oh eight three three double one double three double one. Now, new laws prohibiting the burning of turf come into force uh, this week. Of course, it means that local authorities will be tasked with. Um, um, <laughs> Sorry, I'm hearing stuff with my earphones as well. We'll be tasked with ensuring that those using turf to heat their homes are not creating a significant level of uh, pollution and causing a nuisance to their neighbours. I'll tell you what, I'll take a break and we'll come back with that. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Now, as I was saying before the break, those new laws prohibiting the burning of turf has come in to law. Anybody who breaks the law risks a two-year jail term or a €13,000 fine, can you believe? Now, we had a post on social media about this yesterday. We got a huge reaction to it. And Kate made uh, contact with us and she joins me now. Kate, good morning to you. Morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed, Kate. Have you gotten rid of all of that old dirty turf, Kate? <laughs> I have a shed load of it. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm just in defiance of Eamon Ryan. I'm after throwing in a big bucket into the stove. <laughs> <laughs> and did it make you feel good, Kate? Yeah, do you know, and I burnt a plastic bag as well. <laughs> just for just to add, stop. you know, insult to injury type that's, of thing. That's true. <laughs> so tell me about this, Kate. Is it? I mean, is it turf that you footed yourself and that you? I actually hate the bog. Do you? But this year, I actually went down and turned the turf. Right. In just because of Eamon Ryan, <laughs> you know. I mean, he's he's. I think he's going away today to a climate conference. Is he? Right. Yeah. But what he wants is carte blanche to sign off on whatever they come up with out there. Mm without any discussions with anybody else. He wants free reign to do whatever while he's out there. And what about what he's saying is that, you know, if you're burning turf now, um, it's it's recognised scientifically and all of that, that you're inhaling all this bad stuff for you and it's doing damage to the to I mean, the air and all of that. What, what do you make of that, Kate? People, I mean, people have been burning turf for years with, uh, you know, the open fires. Mm. I mean, they lived for years and years without any... Do you know what I mean? It's all... Um, you can't get your head around it. Yeah. You know, look, 
he's there now, and I actually think they're they're not a political party. They're more of a a cult than a political party at the moment, and it's. It's not. It's, he's autocratic the way he comes up with his decisions. He wants this legacy left after him. That you know, I did this. But what right. he believe in fairness to him, he b- believes very profoundly that this is the right thing to do, and and it's very much a political party. In fairness, now you know it is. But now he's four percent in the polls. Yeah. You know, but well, labor, thing, labor is only three percent at the moment. So. <laughs> you see, I have no political affiliations right. whatsoever, yeah. but. You know, they should listen to somebody like, say, now, and like I say, Matthew McGrath, right? Mm. He's on the ground. Yeah. He knows how people... But I know people, who elderly people, who are afraid to light their fire, turn on their lights, and they actually... Do you know what they actually do? They go on the train every day so that they'll keep warm. Ah, stop. Kate. Now, I'm telling you, you know, it's it's gone to that stage. Are that, you serious? That, yeah, they yes. have the free travel, so they go on travel, the train. Oh they my can God. get on the train and they can travel to wherever and come back again and go again if they wish. You know, isn't that a sad indictment for our government? Isn't it just? Yeah, but I was just reading the history of the country, right? Mm. And I actually think back in the day, we were more self-sufficient as a country. We had um, the sugar factories. Yeah, yeah. We had flour mills. Yeah. We had everything. And they just sold the whole lot out from under. And now, now we're depending on... We're depending on imports. Other countries and depending on Russia and the like as well, yeah. Now, if you see... Um, right, there's an imminent threat of nuclear war, right? Mm. And Eamon Ryan is worrying about a bit of smoke coming out of my chimney. Do you know what I mean? And, and I, I made that point yesterday, in fact, on, on, on the radio, Kate, that I, I thought that, you know, the Greens or anybody with a Green ideology would be, you know, saying, like, there, there is that threat of yes, nuclear war. And, I mean, that, that, that would be just so destructive to us, you know? Yes. Yeah, and he's, he, you know what I mean? But it's too soon for all these things to be implemented after the two years of the lockdown. Right, but you see, they'll tell us that where climate change is concerned, we don't have the time to be messing around, you know? Yeah, but look, we're a small country. You have India and China who produce more of of a a, a, a greenhouse, what do you call it, gases, Mm. than in an hour than we'll ever produce in a year. Do you know what I mean? Why aren't they taking on these big countries? And do you know... So are you saying that even if we got it right here completely, it would be just a dip in the ocean, is that it? it? Absolutely. Mm. You know, dipping your toe into the ocean is right. Yeah. But the whole thing is a mess. Now, what you're doing is legal because you're you're taking from your own portion of the bog there, and that's fine. So they won't put you in jail, Kate, as far as I know, or fine you (laughs) €13,000. have some hope of getting it at the moment. <laughs> Especially, I'm waiting for the December ESP deal to come in. And I, I What was the joke? Um, when you were a kid, you were afraid of the dark. Yes. And now as an adult, you're afraid of the light. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's uh, the ESP are almost like Putin to, um, you know, with the threat of, of, of the darkness coming yeah. down on top of us. Do you know what I mean? And are you and telling me every time you put down a sort of turf, you, you, you think of Eamon? Is that it? Yeah. I, I do. Now, he's flying out this morning. Right. Uh, you know, so what's he creating? And, I mean, if you look, say, like I say, I was in the bog. Yes. And I, I looked up at the sky, mm. right? And you see the trail of... The airplanes. Of, of the airplanes. Yeah. Now, what is that doing? 
huge, huge damage. Huge, huge damage. And the, the amount of trails, and it just, it looked, mm. it looks awful. No, I think it's you burning turf that has the whole thing gone wrong. <laughs> well, I have a big bucket gone in there now this morning, <laughs> and I couldn't give, a, you know. Yes, but, I, I mean, uh, when I think about, um, we say, take my mother now, for instance. Yes. She passed away at 93, eight years ago, yeah. right? Yeah. Her fire was going 24-7. And she lived, to, I mean? she lived to 93. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Somebody needs to um, take our government aside and say, lads, you need to look at what's happening on the ground. And tell me what else is happening on the ground, Kate. I mean, are you finding issues with cost of living, for example? Oh, oh my God. Food has gone through the roof. Yeah. I mean, 20 euros now it would not get you an armful of messages. Whereas before, you might bring home a bag full. Yeah. Um, each, you know, you see, do you know what I noticed too, Fred? Uh, we'll say you go to, say, a petrol station. Mm. Uh, no lights on outside. Uh, no, do you know the big lights they so, would have So outside? they're saving, they're saving on They're trying to save power as well. And uh, before, when you'd be driving out the country, mm. you'd see lights on uh, outside people's houses. Mm. But now they're not. And that's a safety issue as well. Absolutely. And I'd be very concerned about that, you know, from yeah, a, because, you know, yeah, a crime point of view and all of that. Well, from crime and for, um, you know, if an elderly person went out, no light on, they fall over. Yeah. yeah. You see, all these things. And nobody seems to be thinking of the nitty-gritty things that are, that are happening. Is, you think, obviously, it's all kind of nonsense, Kate, do you? Look, I'll tell you one thing. I've been recycling for years. Yeah. From way back and uh, living a kind of an organic type of lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. So I've been doing that before Eamon Ryan ever came on the scene. And a lot of people have been living like that for yeah, years. So you're conscious of the environment then in your own way, Kate, is that yes, it? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay, I do burn the plastic bag every time I hear him on the radio. But, but that's protest, than, is it? That's a protest. <laughs> or if I hear Greta Thunberg. Oh, all oh right. You're, you're not oh, fond geez. of her either, are you? Look, look, she was a 12-year-old and she was manufactured. And actually, she wasn't 12. She was 16 at the time. And now she's an adult. Wow. And she has nothing to say because she's not going to go to that climate conference. Right, but was she not the voice of a generation, Kate? No, she hmm. was not. Now, there was an ad on for a, a child in England. Hmm. Uh walking the street and looking at things. And it was more effective than anything that she ever said. Yeah. Picking up, looking at rubbish and well, all the Well, po- all the politicians wanted to sort of placate her and get their photographs taken with her. and Of, of course, she was the flavour of the month. Mm, yeah. You know, but I just, I just feel that uh, the, the government don't seem to uh, be, care about people on the ground. All right, you know, Kate, well... Do your best with the turf fire, won't you? Oh, jeez. Da- dampen it down a little bit now, then. No, that would cause too much smoke. <laughs> and, and then I'd have the neighbours complain. <laughs> Listen, you take care, Fran. Look after yourself, Kate. You yeah, cheered me up. Thanks, though. Thank you. Bye-bye, you know, That's uh, Kate. Some new figures show that four in ten Garda stations uh, saw a rise in crime rates in 2021, despite the country being in lockdown for a large part of that year. And the figures show a detailed breakdown for each country's uh, each county's uh, 
564 stations and uh, there's a, a trend in crime figures to uh, be up. Now, a mixed result indeed for Tipperary. Up in Clonmel, but Care is down 26%. Uh, Nina is down. Port Row is up. So it's kind of mixed, as I said. I'm joined now by Andrew Stokes, who we spoke to previously on that uh, uh, meeting that happened in Lisrona around rural crime. Andrew, good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you very much for having me you're, on again. You're very welcome indeed. Um, are you concerned by the, I suppose, the result for the entire country there in that uh, there seems to be an upward trend in crime figures? I'm uh, very concerned and uh, it's been going on now for a number of years. Uh, back in 2016, we went up to the Minister Francis Fitzgerald uh, with Save Our Local Community in Thurlis and we were screaming help uh, Crime is on the increase, intimidation. Um, the level of fear in the country was all over. And that has continued. Um, you have a meeting organised with um, Helen McEntee, is that, is that true? We do indeed. Uh, this day week, uh, we're going up, um, uh, four or five of us are going up from Powerstown, the Zerona Community Alert, with a, a hopefully uh, with a really good plan to help the entire community. Now, there's been plans before and meetings with various justice ministers, but they seem to not have resulted in anything being done all that much. Uh, what is making you more hopeful this time? Or are you hopeful, Andrew? Extremely hopeful. Um, back in at the ploughing match, uh, the government released their rural safety plan uh, 2022 to 2024, if anyone wants to look it up, and utilising their uh, plan for Ireland. Um yeah, we're going to jump on board and if we can get cooperation and the backing, mm. uh, we're going to drive on with it. Um, and again, and far be it for me to throw water on, on, on your, your positive thinking, but yesterday we heard about, is it only 90 guards uh, uh, for this entire year will emerge from Temple Moor? So, I mean, it's all about policing, really, Andrew, and that's not looking too hopeful, is it? It's not, and from what I heard... Um, I think there's 300 retiring. But we'd go back, we keep going back to if you put a thousand guardian into Clonmel, it does not matter unless the judiciary back them up mm. uh, until they get rid of the revol- revolving door system that's been going on for years. Yes, and um, again, we heard that that was going to be reviewed and looked at and changes made and stuff, but we're hearing the same old stories all of the time. All, all we can do for our own community for the moment is uh, help the Gardaí um, mind ourselves and use these initiatives to do what we can. Uh, one fantastic thing that has happened in the last week, um, the Clamella Cultural Show, the horse show, mm. uh, the committee we were approached um, purchased our own property marking machine and they fully 100% agreed to go for it. Um, at the moment, there's one machine covering all of Tipperary. Uh, which is doing amazing work and has done amazing work in our own area. But by having our own machine here now, we can blitz the whole area, make all our communities surrounding us uh, much, much safer. Well, that's that's uh, good news. I am concerned, and in fairness, Kate brought it up there as well, that, you know, with the cost of living and the energy costs uh, just soaring so much that people mightn't use as much lighting around their homes, particularly in rural areas, as they were doing, Andrew. Is that of concern to you too? Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, all, all, all around people are cutting back, cutting back. 
and and that is a problem for the government as well. The the funding for all these sort of things is decreasing. Um, but yeah, no, we're going to stay positive. Mm. Uh, keep keep pushing what we can. Um, and look after each other. Right. And when you emerge from that meeting with Helen McEntee, what are you hoping that you will have achieved? Uh, to bring the concerns of uh, our local community here, but from being contacted from all other parts of Ireland, um, we're going to bring the concerns of the whole country um, to her. Uh, with, with, uh, uh, there's a number of... Um, People are sending us a bit of information on their own lives. Uh, we're going to put that there and go, look, there is a, there's people behind these stories. There's real people living in fear. Um, please help. Well, we're looking forward to hearing the results of that uh, meeting, Andrew, and it was uh, really good to talk to you today. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Thank you very much. Good morning bye to bye. you, Andrew. Bye-bye to you now. 1800-938-007. The text and WhatsApp is 83 Emma was trying to get that person who uh, said that we should be talking about more important things when we're speaking about disability and the like earlier on, but um, the person in question just won't, won't answer the phone right now. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep trying and see what happens. Uh, news and information's on the way. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on. On 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Uh, welcome back to the second hour of uh, Tip Today. Now, big reaction to all of our callers this morning, particularly to Kate. A lot of people are getting great crack out of her uh, sense of humour and I'll bring you some of those uh, comments in just a little while but right now onto something completely different uh, wearing a poppy it can be divisive here in Ireland and uh, the poppy is you know worn to remember military personnel who were killed in World War One. now it would be viewed by many here in Ireland as being very British but should we embrace the poppy and be more accepting of those who wear them? Well, my good friend, uh, broadcaster and pundit, Murish Walsh, is one of the people who wears the poppy, and he joins me now. Good morning to you, Murish. Morning, Frank. And uh, good to talk to you today. When you told me that you were a poppy uh, wearer, I, I was surprised for some reason or other, and I'm not quite too sure why I was surprised. Why do you wear a poppy? I wear it, well, I, I, I wear an Irish poppy. Mm. Um, do, just explain the difference. Yeah, it's uh, it's the Irish Royal British Legion brought out a poppy a number of years ago. It's a shamrock, uh, and there's a, a poppy in the middle of it. Uh, Leo Vradker caused controversy for wearing it in the doll around 2018, mm-hmm. and that got me thinking. Um, the reason why I wear it is very simple. Um, I grew up uh, in a house with my mother and father, four siblings, and my grandfather. Um, my mother was a Walsh who married a Walsh, just need to say that, right? And my grandfather uh, fought in Gallipoli, and he survived, well. obviously. I wouldn't be here if he didn't. Mm. And he had, to quote 
uh, Tom Waits, he had two bullet holes down the side. Uh, he had one under his armpit and he had one in his leg. And as children, we used to caffle with him, sitting on our grandfather's knee, and I used to stick my finger in the bullet hole of his... God. Yeah. My God. No. And, and just, uh, just a brief couple of remarks maybe on Gallipoli I mean this was a theatre of war like none other this was oh, hell wasn't it it was like uh, yeah I mean how anybody survived Gallipoli yeah. is beyond me and the one thing I want to say just before I just said it, my grandfather was my mother's death killed him right? my mother died at 44 and he died a few months later and he thought, I always said about my grandfather he survived Gallipoli, but he couldn't survive burying a child. I know. Yeah. Right, okay, and I think that's all our worst nightmare. Yeah. Uh, the other thing about my grandfather was, and I, mean, and I have to say it before it goes out of my head, I was talking to um, Jimmy Cooney, a friend of mine in Clamell, and his father fought in Gallipoli with my grandfather. And his father did the same thing. But my grandfather, every night, Fran, when he was saying his prayers, he said, uh, I want to say three Hail Marys for all the men that didn't come back with me, come back with us. And I want to say five for all the men I killed. My God. And wow. that was my first lesson in humility and dignity. And I, I, it taught me that no war should be glorified. Uh, I don't want to, I don't wear a poppy to honour the people who started wars. I honour a I wear a poppy to, to remember my grandfather. My great-grandfather, his father-in-law, enlisted when he was 49, and he died on the 6th of May 1915 in Belgium. And my brother Rory, who you know well, mm. is I'm sorry he's not here because he is an authority on this, and I mean that in the nicest mm. way. Mm. He has studied this, and he goes out to Belgium a lot, and he goes to Ypres, every year and there's a, a remembrance service there every night for those who have fallen and when I was in school and we were taught about history it was all one-sided it was and and you know look it, it was all about the rising and those brave men that fought for Irish freedom and I'm not I'm not you know diminishing anything that those men did but there are many reasons why people fight wars Fran um, I said to John Lonergan when I did my conversation program here 10, 12 years ago, I said to John Lonergan, John, would you agree with me that in the whole, on the whole, poor people occupy prisons, populate prisons, and poor people fight wars? Mm. And he had agreed with me. Yeah. yeah. And just what I was talking to you beforehand, I mean, I grew up in Barham Park in Clonmel. And if anybody knows Barham Park in Clonmel, it's a, it's a reasonably sized housing estate. So first Barn Park, as it's known as, there's 60 house, 61 houses in it. Now, Andrew Burke, there was a great article about on, uh, on the Irish Times about him a few years ago, who I knew, who I grew up with. He fought dying for the Mujahideen against the, Af Af against the Russians uh, around 1988, 89. And to join the Mujahideen, he had to get his leaving set results. So it wasn't just a case of, I'm here, I'll sign up, you know. But I also grew up not knowing the man, but there was a chap by the name of, of George Nagel in Barham Park. His brother's still alive, Donna Nagel's uncle. He died in fighting for uh, the Australians in Vietnam. And, and I asked his brother one time, you know, there was all sorts of kind of hmm. rumours going around as to why. And I asked his brother one time, I said, why did he go out and fight in the war? And he said, he, 
just a bit of adventure, like. So, I don't know why... I know why my great-grandfather f- fought in the First yeah, World t- War. Yeah, tell me why, because it was financial, wasn't it? Yeah, it was financial reasons, yeah. yeah. He had yeah. no work. And he was 49 when he signed up, and he was 50 when he died. Now, I turned 55 last Monday. I wouldn't climb sleeping him on. No, you know, I, 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 that's the truth. I know, I know. That's the truth of it, right? Yeah. And uh, it was for financial reasons. And to vilify him, it was, sorry, he, he wanted to ensure that my great-grandmother would have a pension mm. from the British Army. And if anything happened to him, you know, that she would have an income because they had children to rear. The reasons as to why my grandfather fought in the First World War I don't know to this day. I I, I really don't know. Right. But it could have been adventure. It could, it have, could have been adventure, yeah. yeah. I mean, he was 85 when he died in 1976, so I'm not good at maths, but he was a young man. Now, he he, he emigrated to the States. My, my mother and my uncle were born in America. They came back, and he, he went to sign up and, sign, and, and join the British Army for the Second World War, and they told him that he was too old. So he obviously had... A fighting side to him. Of course, yeah. But and, uh, some of them were enticed, though, by the promise of home rule as well. Yeah, well, there is. Yeah, you see, it's very easy, Fran. Like, if you and I were born in Pakistan, we could be Muslims, right? It, so a lot of things are an accident of birth. Yeah. The other thing is, history isn't easy. Mm. It, it's not simple. It's very easy to have a narrative about about history if your mind is closed, if you read one side of it and you say, right, that's it. Now, a home rule, home rule bill had been passed. It had got through the House of Lords the third time. Now, there was a threat of civil war in this country mm. and we don't know what would have happened had the home rule bill been passed. Okay? But the, the Redmondites were told, John Redmond said, look, if you go and fight for the freedom of small nations, that was the that was the yeah. that was the, the the slogan. Yeah, and some people probably went on that premise. They probably went on that promise that if we go and fight, mm. they did up in two hundred miles up the road. Thousands of men were slaughtered in the Battle of the Somme, and in the in 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 Northern Ireland, and a lot of and a lot of guys in Ireland in the 26 counties, also were slaughtered in the Battle of Somme. Now, it's very easy to say, oh, like one guy, when I remember saying to him about my grandfather fighting in the First World War, he said, to, I always remember two things when I was in school, he said, oh, well, I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be saying that now. I wouldn't go into the class and say that. But you, you shouldn't admit to that, is that? Yeah, it was if it's like, you know, yeah. sort of like, it's like saying I had someone in jail. What do, what do you make of the argument, though? And it's a yeah. fa- it, it's a fact that while Irish men were out fighting with the British, they executed the men of nineteen sixteen. You know, dreadful. Yeah, absolutely dreadful. I mean, and and, and, you, and this is always part of the argument against not wearing a poppy. You know. Yeah, and and we serve neither king nor kaiser. Mm, yeah, and I and I and I understand that, but what I'm saying is that if we are to have I mean, there was a thousand men killed in Tipperary in the First World War. Just let me say that. And there was 150 from my own hometown of Clonmel. Okay? So how do we remember those men? How do we remember those people? To answer your question, I'll answer it this way to you. I'm very proud of the fact... I I don't know anybody in my family that fought for Irish independence, for the War of Independence. I I, I genuinely don't. Mm. I'm sure there was, but I, I... 
I don't know, right? I know on my father's side, my, my grandfather would have been involved in, 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 the, in, in, in the fight, but how much, I don't know. But they executed the men of 1916. It was horrific. The British are responsible for some of the most heinous acts, not only in this island, but on... All around the world. All around yeah. the world. And there's, and there's no doubt about that. In fact, that. current conflicts you can trace back to are, the empire. Yeah. You can. Yeah. But the, the, the current conflict in the Middle East didn't start in 1947. I'm afraid you have to go back a, a little bit before that. For sure, yeah. You have to go back a couple of thousand years, actually. Yeah. Right. So I always say this, Fran... As you know, I'm an atheist. But if you believe in the concept of original sin, can I just put it this way to you? Um, I believe that every new every nation has original sin. I think Ireland is Britain's original sin. I think slavery and the treatment of the Native Americans is America's um, original sin. The Aborigines and the Maoris, yeah. right? Okay. I think our original sin is the treatment of the child abuse scandals and the treatment of women in this country, right? Um, I can understand why James McLean doesn't wear a poppy, mm. and I admire him for it. If I got a chance to ask, interview Jerry Adams, I'd ask him two questions. The first one would be the settler, you know what I mean? I'd say to him, Jerry, when did you stop smoking the pipe? That'd be the first question I'd ask him, right? And the second question I say to him, why didn't you join the IRA? Mm. Because if British soldiers came in to Barham Park when I was 17 or 18, as they did in Ballymurphy, and shot innocent Catholics, I think I'd be inclined to... I'd like to think that I'd do something. That is very interesting. Nobody has ever said that to him, you know? Well, you know... Why didn't, why didn't you join the IRA? Because he lived in Ballymurphy. He saw firsthand what happened. Yeah. I mean, Martin McGuinness, God rest him, was, was, was honest enough to say when he was asked on BBC Radio 4, when he was asked, what did you do after Bloody Sunday? What were you feeling? And he said, I wanted to go out and shoot every British soldier I could. And I was listening to that interview and I said, yeah, I can understand that. Mm. All I'm saying is, can I just go back to something? Like, 31,000 Irish men were killed in... World War One, hmm. thirty-one thousand Irish men. They can't like we cannot just forget them. I'm not saying that ever, that you sh I should come in here and you should be wearing a poppy, hmm. Fran. I am trying to honour my my grandfather's hmm. memory. My grandfather was a good man. He was a decent man. He was a hard-working man. Like I was one of the youngest of his grandchildren, um, and I I, I remember him. Fondly, um, and I and, and my my thing is about wearing a poppy is that I want to honour his memory. History, it's very easy. Yes, it's very easy, Fran, as I call it. You know, the Supreme Court of Twitter, the Supreme Court of social media. It's very easy. Now, can I just tell you a very quick story? I was out in Hydra in two thousand eighteen uh, at a wedding, right. And you and I both know that's where Leonard Cohen met Marianne, yeah. right? And I went, I was coming back from Leonard Cohen's house. We'll talk about that another day, right? And I met John Snow, the Channel 4 broadcaster. I've never seen a Game of Thrones. So when I said it to people, I've just met John Snow. They all talked to some actor in the Game of Thrones. But I, 
It's another story, right? <laughs> That's just sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. But anyway, but um, and I and John Snow famously didn't wear a poppy, mm. but he wore it sometimes. Because I watch Channel Four News every night now. He's since retired. Probably one of the greatest news journalists mm. of our generation, mm. right? And he used to wear. He wore a poppy, you know, on some nights. And he wore it, always wore it on Remembrance Day. And his, 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 his father fought in the First World War, as did Bob Frisk, the late Bob Frisk's father, right? And Bob Frisk famously didn't wear a poppy mm. because he didn't believe in the, in that, that you had to wear it. Yes, of and, course. And, and yeah. like, I, 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 I agree with that. I absolutely agree with that. I mean, I, for years, for years and years and years, I went to Tipperary matches and I didn't wear, there wasn't a hint of blue and gold off me. You know, there was, there was nothing. I could be from anywhere. And then suddenly I started going with my son and he was from Waterford. So I started wearing colours yeah. for the crack. Yeah, you know, and yeah, I was head course, to toe yeah. and blue and go, right, for a bit of fun. But, you know, but, and I said it, I, I said it to John Snow. I said, why don't you wear the poppy? And he said, well, he said, I, I don't like being forced to do anything. Like, you know, he said, um, I think it's been abused in England. Like, if you, if, you, if you don't appear with it, it's wrong. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure over there. Yeah, and I, said, yeah. and I said, okay. But I said, I get vilified by people over here in Ireland for wearing it. And I get strange looks. And people say, kind of, I can mm. see people staring at me, mm. kind of, you know, what's that on your jacket? And they're almost afraid to ask. And, he, and my wife's a witness to this. He said, that's disgraceful. He said, that's dreadful. I, I just... Go and back. have you been vilified? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, people have said to me, that's an embarrassment. You know, one, one, one person said to me, um, God, if your, father, if your father was alive and he saw that. Because, you know, and I said, how do you know? Did you know my father that well? Do you... And, and, and like... Another person said to me, oh, those men were tricked by John Redmond. Mm. So I said, they were all idiots, were they? They were all that gullible. You know that from 2020 or 21, 22. You can look back and say, my grandfather was, was yes. that gullible. It's, it's much more complex, of course. But when they came back, I mean, they had a hard time, Wersh. They, they, you know, they were treated very badly. They were treated very badly in England. Yeah. More to the point. I mean, when they came back in England... They went to various places. They were given a suit. That was it. Um, they got their pension. Yeah. That was it. Uh, when they came back, yeah, I mean, um, my father or my grandfather emigrated to uh, America. I do know that, maybe I shouldn't be saying this now, but I do know that he got drunk one night and he raised a tricolour over kicking barracks. <laughs> right? So... <laughs> And he could, and he could have been court-martialed over it. Maybe is that you know? But uh, yeah. and I know that uh, John Watson, the late the Colonel Watson, uh, uh, he he kind of he made a go away, let's say. Yeah. But um, but yeah, they were treated very badly. And I mean, uh, like as I say, growing up, we just didn't talk about, it, we didn't mention. It. I mean, I remember my grandfather. He used to sell poppies in the main guard. Did he? Indeed? Yeah, 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 and I'm, and and I mean, we we as a family were like, we were kind of mortified because he was doing that. Yeah, and like, and, and on one hand, here he was saying prayers for people he killed, and on the other hand, we were mortified because he was trying to me- he was trying to raise money to support families. You got to remember, I mean. My, 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 my aunt's youngest sister only died a few years ago mm. Anne Karen's in Barron Park and uh, hi to Jimmy my cousin because I know he's listening um, uh, 
you know, and it was it was always a confusing and but the older you get mm. and I, I if as I said, if we want to have proper peace and understanding on this island and if we want to have a, a united Ireland are we going to allow an orange parade walk under the main guard in Clanmel or Liberty Square in Torless? There are a million people on this island who identify as British. I'm not pro anything. I'm I'm mm. a proud Irishman. Very, very proud. Um I'm proud of um like I read Tom Barry's Gorilla Days in Ireland. Mm. I'm a bit controversial. I don't like I don't like Dan Breen's my fight for Irish freedom. Okay, I'll be straight with you. Mm. I just think Well a lot of people have issues with the, yeah. the content and maybe the Yeah, right. Yeah. But they were brave men. But the one thing I will say, Parik Pierce was asked about the men that went to fight in the First World War before he was executed, you know. And what and what Pierce said was they were Irish, they were brave, and they fought. And that, and that to me is good enough. It certainly is. One of the things that annoys the hell out of me is that thousands and thousands of, of these men died unnecessarily because they were led by British twits yeah. that, that were appointed uh, to very high-ranking positions only because of their background. And they were dreadful at their job and they led men to their deaths. Well, if you look, you know? at, the, if you look at the history of the First World War, I mean, I don't have much time for Winston Churchill, for example. No, nor me, yeah. He was a bigoted old so-and-so. Yeah, and yeah. I think he, he, he introduced the concept of the concentration camps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, in, 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 in the, the Boer War. War. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he led those Australians and Irish out to Turkey because he wanted them to be cannon fodder to keep the Eastern Front. Yeah. Um, now, if my brother Rory was here, I'm sorry he's not here because he, he, would, he has this down to a team. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he is an authority on it and I'm very proud of his work and on how it. Churchill dealt with India was absolutely oh, disgraceful. Dreadful, yeah. Absolutely but, disgraceful. But we need to stop, as a country, we need to stop, excuse me, the British bashing. I, and I have to say that, and I don't mean that in the context of what we're talking about. Yeah. What we're talking about is what our interpretation of, of, of history. We need to stop the British bashing and we need to stop this thing of, you know, if if you know, a um, childish approach to it. There are people on this island, we may not like their views, but we have to respect their beliefs and their traditions. Yes. You know, and all I'm asking for is for somebody to respect the fact that I'm trying to remember a man who I knew fought in the, I mean, I knew him. Mm. I, I, I remember him. He was known as the... He was Paddy Walsh. He was known as the Dollar. A lot of people in Clamwell would have known him as the dollar. Is that because of the American? Yeah, 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 right. <laughs> and he, like when he was walking up to Cashel Road in Clamwell, he used to give sweets to kids. Now, right. you couldn't do it now, you get arrested. But, <laughs> but you know, and that's sad in its own way. A couple, couple of things into his marriage mm. that, that might interest you. A listener phoned in to say she wears her poppy every time in memory of her late grandfather who fought in the British Army, and she's extremely proud of that. Somebody else saying, my grandfather uh, fought in the First World War. He did so because Ireland was still under British rule and Irish people were hungry and they fought to feed uh, his family. He was shunned by the people of his town when he came back. He couldn't earn money to feed his family, so only for the British Legion uh, they could have starved and that's why my grandmother wore the poppy. He eventually 
took his own life because he was treated so badly by Irish people and the old IRA. And my grandmother had to clean the church to feed her two girls. They were both very much a Republican. It was a very sad time. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, you see, we don't, <clears throat> we don't, we don't hear though enough of those stories. That's what I'm saying. I, I'm just looking for a bit of balance. Yeah. I mean, that's that that's very tragic. It's very very sad. I mean, like. But you're not surprised by it. No, 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 no. no. I mean, I, look, as I say, if I had stood up in school in, in first year and said, look, my father's in jail, it would have been easier. Yes. Than to, because when we were speaking about, the, you know, that time around 1916 and home rule and all that, and, you know, it was kind of said as a, as a, as a by the way, men went off to fight in the First World War. I, I wanted to put up my hand and say, well, you know, my grandfather died five years, four years ago. That's all it was. It was only four years after he died. Yeah. And say, you know, he fought in the first war. He fought in Gallipoli. You know, and as I say, I mean, and, and one thing that was I was thinking about, I mean, I can never decide who's the greatest ballad singer I ever heard. It's either, it's either Kelly or, or Clancy. Mm. I, I, can, I can never... Yeah, it'd be a tough one to call between the the two now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we could be here for an hour now. <laughs> it's certainly good, right? We might disagree on it, in fact. But uh, yeah, but but, yeah. but you're right. Okay. Yeah. So if I were to say to you, Liam Clancy, you'd probably go Waltz Matilda. Yeah. I heard him sing it live as a child with with Tommy Makem down the Strand in Carrick. One of the greatest anti-war songs of all time, probably the greatest. Of it. I I would I would say so. Yeah. I would. I was yeah. going to say so. Right. Yeah. To, right now. That song is about Gallipoli. Yeah. Now, I have heard uh, Republican rebel bands. Mm. And and listen, I, I know the words to Sean South to Gary Owen. There's nothing better. Yeah. You know, it's fantastic. Well, what, what are you saying that you, you've heard Republican bands uh, sing that song? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Now, I'll give you another thing. Yeah. Tom Waits, who I'm a great fan of, mm. has a version of Waltz mm. Matilda, right? Mm. With the husky, you know. Mm. And I went to see him in the in the on the Rat Cellar tour in 2008. I missed an under 21 Harlem final over it, but anyway, uh, that's how things go. But um, and uh, he got to the piano mm. and he sang Jersey Girl, and I said, right, okay, I'll, I'm happy. Okay, and then he didn't do Martha, but mm. okay, he did, and he didn't do Grateful Moon. But anyway, so but he got to the piano and he said, "I hadn't intended singing this, but the idiots are at it again." And he sang his Waltz Matilda, uh-huh. right? Yeah. And it was it was in reference to the Iraq War and of all, course, of, yeah. all of that. And when I hear Liam Clancy sing Waltz Matilda, and I've had this conversation with you off air, please, I'm asking people. The re- definitive version has been recorded. Don't. Don't ever record it. Don't record it. <laughs> Absolutely. Please. Right. It's like fairy tale of New York. Well, I spoke to his son sitting exactly where you are a few days ago and he said he wouldn't even sing it. Wouldn't Liam, he? Liam's son. He, with the Make Him and Classy act that they're doing now. Oh. He, he won't sing it. Now, Imagine I, that. Yeah. Now, you know. when I hear him sing it, and you've got me now, Fran. Yeah. When I hear it, I think of the dollar. I think of my do grandfather. You? I do, I do. And that line, I look at the place where my legs used, used to be. be. Yeah. And he said, and then that other line where they won, and the crowds get smaller and smaller, and what are those men yeah. marching for? 
And that's where I'm coming from, is that I don't want James Holden, my grandfather, who I have one photograph of, my great-grandfather. I don't want Paddy the Dollar Walsh to be remembered just for that, just for being... But but if I, if I came in here and said my grandfather died in 9-11, for example, mm. right... People go, wow, my God, that's you know, that's you know, and and God rest those people who did. I must leave it there, but as always, just absolutely fascinating uh, to talk to you. The latest, I'll just leave you with this thought. Yeah. The latest figures I could find, and it's from an, uh, an RTE poll from about four years ago. Forty-two um, percent of Irish people believe we shouldn't wear the poppy. We 30, shouldn't. We shouldn't. Thirty-eight percent that we should. So it's very, very close to twenty percent yeah. saying they didn't know. But it's 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 pretty much yeah, balanced, I, I, isn't it? What know? I'm saying is. My poppy is an Irish poppy. Um, it, it's it's brought out by the Irish British Legion. Um, like, I'm not coming on here saying I'm pro-British. That we should go back into the the Commonwealth or mm. join the United yeah. Kingdom. I'm just saying. I leave it with this. I want I want proper peace on this island. I want it for my children and my grandchildren. And. We can't just shoebox people, put them in a corner, label them as that. We need to understand, we need to have a grown-up, we, we need to start growing up in this country, Fran. Put on our big boy pants, have sit down, have a proper conversation. I'll leave you with this thought. It's, it, next year is going to be 25 years of the Good Friday Agreement. Yeah. And we have a, a standoff up in the north at the moment. I agree with Seamus Mallon that the Good Friday Agreement was Sunningdale for slow learners. Mm, mm. I, I, I believe that, right? But how many lives have been saved in the last 25 years? Because you and I are old enough to remember what it was like to live, mm. in this, live on this island mm. in the 70s and the 80s. You know Stevie Travers of very, very well. Mm. What he went through, mm. right? And there was atrocities on three sides. The IRA, the Loyalists and the British Army. Mm. And you cannot just look at one... Like, the consequences of war has to be peace and reconciliation. And in order to do that, we have to take the Mandela approach. We have to sit down with these people, talk to them, Mm. understand, talk. Just talk, understand, but more importantly, listen. Well, I must leave it there, but I, I, I hope there's people listening to us today that have views about what's happening in Ukraine at the moment because there's not enough people talking about peace, as far as I'm concerned. No, there's not, you know. Good to see you, Marsh, and Thank thanks you very Frank. much indeed. We'll take a break. We're back with more. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip Today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage Pecan, you can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie a big response to that uh, chat with uh, Murish. I always look forward to having Murish uh, on the show. Um, 
one of one of our listeners saying, "Fair play to Marisha. Irish people don't always know uh, their history." Uh, I wear a poppy, and people go mad when they see it, and they're forgetting the amount of Irish that fought with the British armies as one of our listeners. Somebody else with something very interesting indeed, saying that, uh, as a matter of interest, the poppy wasn't something the British dreamed up. It was a Canadian innovation. There you go. I didn't realise that. Thank you very much indeed for that. I must... uh, uh, try and find out a little bit more about it. Lots coming into us uh, on this. Thoroughly enjoyed the interview about the poppies. Really great conversations as one of our listeners. And uh, yeah, as I say, I'll bring you some more of that in just a little while. Now, we know all of the pressures facing small businesses, not only at Tipperary, but right around uh, the, the country, in fact. Uh, and there are accusations that not enough is being done to support the small family businesses and that town centres are being taken over by betting shops and discount stores and the like. Well, Sarah made contact with us um, about this subject, and she joins me now. Good morning to you, Sarah. Hello, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Lovely to talk to you. Um, oh, thank you. you. You feel that some businesses are sort of losing the personal touch in, in some way, Sarah? Yes, I do, Fran, yes. Uh, I think you can't beat the, the personal touch when you go for a bit of uh, retail therapy, uh, which I'm wont to do now and then. Um, yes, Fran, I feel, if I can talk specifically about Perlis Town Centre, mm-hmm. um, I think, you know, the removal of the post office, as we all know, has been the death knell of the kind of vivacity in, in Perlis Square. Now, I know that improvements have been made with the aesthetics of the place and all that. Mm. Um, yeah, but I feel there are too many pubs, too many uh, gambling shops, and it's kind of a sad microcosm of our society in general, I think. And of course, think, uh, as, you know, you, as you well know, Sarah, and I know you point this out to us as well, it's not just Thurless. It seems to be town centres oh, yes. everywhere, and indeed city centres as well. Yes. That's right, Fran. Yeah, I I, um, I suppose when I go to a city, I can't really uh, speak at length about them because mm. uh, when I go to Tipperary Town, for example, I'm always very disappointed, Fran, for for what was once um now in ter- for what was once a beautiful sort of lively centre. A lot of the side streets in Tipperary, there are so many premises for sale for rent. Mm. And I feel, what a pity. What are the planners doing? What are the urban planners doing? Why are there not initiatives to get young people up and running with with their businesses? And for a town that is surrounded by such uh, spectacular mountain scenery, I feel it's, it's, uh, it's very unfair and it's very neglectful of, of town planners. And now I'm not a politician. I'm just mm. talking as an ordinary citizen, friend. But really, I feel we can do better when it comes to our town centres. Um, you know, when, when I was young, uh, that's over 50 years ago, I'm afraid. Uh, when I was very young, there was the tinkling of the tail, there was the personal touch, there was the vibrancy, the vivacity, courtesy, manners. You felt that you knew the person in the shop, they called you by your name, you went for a cone, you know, it was... An ice cream cone, as you know, uh, Fran, when you're a child. I, I, I know <laughs> well, indeed. And, and Sarah, you, you're a Francophile, I know. You're very fond yes. of France. And yes. you can make yes. some comparisons for us as yes. well, because they seem to do it a little better. They they do it so much better. People who know me well are sick of me going on about France and how they're, 
they're so well able and, and very determined about uh, protecting and preserving their boulangerie for your cake and uh, your butcher. And they're not as posh as we think they are in the sense that they will buy one good pair of shoes and they'll have their repair shop. You know, they buy quality, they preserve the old buildings, they have... Um, they very much have a sense of courtesy when you when you go into the shops as well, which I feel uh, I think we're losing a little bit. Yeah, know? and there's a great sense of place there and a pride yes. of place and all, all of yeah. that as well. Yeah. And are we losing that because it's hard to be proud, I suppose, of a town that has a centre that's been almost, you know, deteriorating, I suppose, in some ways. Yes, yes. Uh, it's it's hard to know. I think it, I think the lack of courtesy is probably endemic in our society. Anyway, maybe we're. Do you think so, Sarah? Yeah. I think so. Maybe we're mm. not uh, so cautious to bring up our child, children with manners. I very rarely hear people saying "excuse me" or "pardon" anymore. You know, um, if you say "pardon" in a shop now, you're nearly looked on as if you're posh or something. You know, but I do think courtesy is vitally important, and also. I think that the preciousness of the customer experience is being lost, Fran. You know, we may have to go back to maybe paying people commission, maybe to, depending on sales, because if that's what it takes to kind of have more eye contact, more courtesy when you're being served. I think economics has overridden a lot of the sociological and psychological influence, you know? Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. I, I believe, in fact, Sarah, I'm not sure if you'd agree with me, but what is fueling a lot of this is that it's so hard to get employees now that there's not the proper training in place, you know, for either people in restaurants or in shops. And so you're not getting the proper customer experience. Yes, yes, I think you're right there, Fran. I think it's about training. Um, sometimes I see a new business. It's very disheartening when you see that. Uh, I mean, it's great that you see a new business that has opened, but it's very disheartening when you see even uh, people on their first day who are who are not saying thank thank you when they when they receive your money or whatever. You do feel, yeah. I think training is absolutely key, and I think a lot of people don't seem to realise. We are human beings going into a shop. We're not just people with a purse, you know. Why are there not more conversations around this, do you think? I mean, people are wringing their hands and saying, oh, it's terrible what's happening to our town centres and stuff. But I don't see vision. I don't I don't hear about a vision or a plan for the future. I know, Fran. I feel, uh, I don't know. I feel that whoever sits down and, and plans these town squares, I think... Compared to Kilkenny or, or, or something like that, I remember speaking to people in Kilkenny and we were talking about the beauty of the centre. Now, I know they've got their castle and everything, but we all have buildings that we could highlight more. But they did mention, somebody mentioned to me as regards Kilkenny that they've got a great architectural, artistic influence on their committees and maybe they're missing that in their for example, you know. Now, in Thurlis, I like the splashes of be kind of um, coming from an artistic point of view as well. I didn't really have a business mind or anything. Mm. But the splashes of, of purple colour are uplifting um, uh, in a visual in the square. But there's an awful lot of grey. And then when the businesses, I thought then, because I was hoping the purple kind of splash would be sort of uh, continued and mm. enhanced as you go up further this square 
But then when you see uh, coffee shops with black parasols and grey chairs, and I feel, God, whether so are you saying there should be an overall plan, an overall look to a place? Is that is that is that what you mean, Sarah? Oh, I see. I think we've lost Sarah. We've lost Sarah. So there you go. Oh, what a shame. She was making some very interesting points there. I'm sure you'll agree. So would you like to respond to that? 83 311 We'll be right back to you in just a moment. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1-800-938-00. Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. A very interesting uh, text following on from what Sarah was saying to me there. But the listener says uh, there are lots of business opportunities in Tipperary, Fran. Holy Cross Village, for example. A great opening for a grocery shop and a cafe. You could also bring tourists from the village by horse and trap to Farney Castle for tea and cakes. There's lots that can be done to rejuvenate the county. Just a little bit of fresh Thinking is required. Isn't that very interesting indeed? Um, okay, a lot of people on to say how much they enjoyed the conversation with uh, Moorish about the poppy. A um, couple of uh, interesting texts on that as well. I was at a match in Liverpool a few years ago, Fran. A lady asked me to buy a poppy in the stadium. I told her I would make a donation but wouldn't take the poppy. She smiled at my accent and said, that's fair enough. George is in Nina. He says, Fran, wearing the poppy. Will the TV presenters in the north of Ireland wear Easter lilies? I think not. It's almost what we can do, says George. And one more for you right now, because this is another interesting one. When I was a young teenager living in London in 1966, Fran, a man was outside the railway station at Wilsdon Green selling the poppies. I said, no, thank you, I'm Irish. He said to me, so am I. I didn't take the poppy, and at 75, I've never worn a poppy, and I never will. And that's Cotty in uh, Caricature speaking to us uh, this morning. We spoke to uh, an old in recent weeks about his frustration with booking a seat on a train and not being able to sit in the seat that he had paid for. Well, Noel is back with me now. Good morning to you, Noel. Morning, Fran, and thank you very much for having me. Welcome indeed. Case of Groundhog Day or Deja Vu at the weekend because something similar happens, Noel. Oh, yeah. Um, yesterday I was on the way from Torlis to Galway and yesterday morning, I had my seats booked, as we were told, to pre-book them. And when we went to the train station, we were just shoved into the train as much as if we were a load of cattle going into a, uh, a lorry. Now, we were all packed inside in the aisles, yeah. and there was not, our seats were not to be got. And your seats were taken, obviously. Oh, yeah, the seats were taken, and when we were looking for member staff on the train, we couldn't get them. And, Noel, you explained to me before, because I'm not a train user generally, so you explained to me that, what about your name being on the seat? Was that? Well, like, our names are supposed to be on the seats, but when we went to look for them, we couldn't find them. And yesterday was the worst ever. We were so crammed up in the, in the where the doors were, that I'm not surprised if we don't get COVID. Because you were all so close together. Well, there was there was no there was no two meters apart. So, and and you couldn't get anybody to talk to or to complain no. to her. And on the way home, which was the worst, two students were sitting inside in the bag racks. 
because there was no seats to be got. My God. So, That's how bad it was. So, so much for health and safety. Oh, there was no such health and safety. It was all out the window yesterday. And since we spoke, Noel, had you any correspondence with with uh, no. um, the, the uh, powers that be there? No. And I, went, I actually emailed Irish Radio yesterday telling them I was going on national radio and I'm highlighting this because there was no health and safety as, as, as you said there a few minutes ago. It was so packed up. And when you told them you were going on radio, what response did you get to that? Nothing. Nothing, okay. Nothing. And I wouldn't mind, but there was a young lad getting off in Templemore yesterday and the door actually shut and caught his bag. My God. That's how bad it was now yesterday. And and why was it so bad yesterday, do you think? I suppose after the bank holiday weekend. Right. The people were and going, we were told yeah. when we booked in tickets that Tuesday was going to be a quiet day. It was Monday was the worst. Right. That everyone, everybody was heading home. So and the, the, this notion of booking um, a seat, that, that, that just doesn't work for you. No, it doesn't. And that, that's my next point to you, that when, when, we, when, we, when we were told to book our tickets, and we said, oh, yeah, that's great. Now we'll have our seats to got. Yeah. Now, my wife had scoliosis years ago. She was standing for nearly four hours on that train from, from Galway, sorry, from Torlis to Port Leash, Port Leash to Port Arlington, Port Arlington to Galway. Yeah. What are you four go- hours. What are you going to do now, Noel? Absolutely. Nothing can be done. Okay. Now, the Minister of Transport, which is, I believe is Eamon Ryan, mm-hmm. I'm going to highlight this to him. Now, yeah. It's only a matter of putting on two more carriages have comfort. You see, Noel, there's huge encouragement coming from Eamon Ryan and the Green Party, particularly, and this government, that we should use public transport more and that we should get out of our motor cars and get on buses and trains and stuff. But your experience would, I mean, that would put me off completely from from using the train, I have to say. To be honest, it has put me off from using trains using trains full stop. Did you always use trains? Uh, up till about two years ago. Yeah. I, I didn't use trains. Okay. Cause, because I found them expensive. Right. And then I, I used buses. Now, the buses are so rough, you like you can't, you can't actually sleep on the bus anymore. Why, why is that now? Because it's so roughness on the road. The roads are not up to standard. Right, so you don't like the buses, so you wanted to switch to the train. The train. Ha, has it disimproved in recent times, e- even in your experience of a couple of years? It, it has imp- it has disimproved in the last six, seven months, the trains. Right, so it was better at one point. Oh, yeah, most definitely. At least you were guaranteed your seat. Now, tell me this, Noel. Were people wearing masks? No. So you were all up on top of each other and nobody yeah. was wearing a mask? Now, there might be another one here and there wearing a mask. Right. But not not all the train was. Right. And were you concerned for your health then? I got off the train at one point and I asked the security guard, is, is there another train coming? And he says, the next train that you want to get is Timpermore. And that he said, that's even worse. Right. So uh, the, yeah. 20 to 1 was the next train going to Galway. And was there a general mood of discontent on, on the train? I mean, were uh, people... And not a lot of people angry? giving out. Yeah, yeah. And not a lot of people giving out about it. And I just said, I said, there's no point giving out here 
you have to say it straight out to the to the authorities. Will does this mean you you stop using train transport now? Oh no, I I, I will highlight it to the Minister of Transport. Okay, that it was too packed out. It was really too packed out yesterday. Yeah. Now two weeks ago I was on the radio to you as well. Yeah. And that was even worse. So no lessons were learned. No le- lessons learned. But I will highlight it. I'm actually on the Joe Duffy show today and I'm going to highlight it worse. All right. Okay, well, it'll be interesting to see what, what happens if you get a response uh, to to that, Noel. You look after yourself, Noel, and thanks for coming back to me. Thank you. Okay, Good morning. Th- thanks, Good Brian. morning Thank you. to you. Bye-bye. Uh, Dean Buckley was on to us to say, I dislike Eamon Ryan as much as the next person, but it's ridiculous how people seem to think he's some sort of a sinister puppet master controlling the government. He's a sellout who does whatever he's told by his senior coalition partners. This is one of our listeners. I'm sure a lot of people out there now might disagree with you where that is concerned. Um, okay, lots more. I'll have a read through it and I'll bring it to you in the next hour. News and information's coming up. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on. On 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks, Pat. Uh, welcome back to Tip Today. Patrick says, oh God, friend, businesses today don't want to pay train staff with experience. They want cheap labour and you get what you pay for. Um, somebody else saying to us that uh, years ago, um, a lot of shops were family owned and they know that they had to treat people right and be civil and welcoming to get uh, repeat customers. Customer service works both ways. Workers and customers respecting each other. A nice text in there from one of our, our listeners. Uh, Barbara says, uh, Murish wearing the Irish poppy to show respect for the loss of his granddad. I'm close to tears about Irish people uh, being killed and it's so sad and horrific, says Barbara to us this morning as well. Hello to Lucy O'Neill. And Lucy was on to warn us all about uh, the weather conditions today being extremely poor. So do mind yourselves um, and look after yourselves on the roads. And that's according to Lucy this morning. And from all of us here, indeed, do be careful out there, won't you? 1800 Now, Kate spoke to us in the first hour of the show this morning to give her views on the new laws around uh, turf burning. Of course, we're with you every single weekday morning from 9 o'clock here. So make sure and join us uh, earlier or you might miss out on something. Here's just a little bit of what she had to say just after nine o'clock this morning. People have been burning turf for years with, uh, you know, the open fires. Mm. I mean, they lived for years and years without any, do you know what I mean? It's all, um, you can't get your head around it. Yeah. You know, look, he's there now and I actually think they're they're not a political party. They're more of a, a cult than a political party at the moment. And it's, oh, it's not. It's, he's autocratic the way he comes up with his decisions. He wants this legacy left after him. That's you know, I did this. But, right. but he believe, in fairness to him, he, he b- believes very profoundly that this is the right thing 
to do and and it's very much a political party in fairness now you know it is but now he's four percent in the polls yeah you know but well labor is only three percent at the moment <laughs> i have no political affiliations right. whatsoever yeah. but but i know people who elderly people who are afraid to light their fire turn on their lights and they actually do you know what they actually do they go on the train every day so that they'll keep warm. Ah, stop. Kid. Now, I'm telling you, you know, it's, it's gone to that stage. Are that, you serious? Like, yeah, they yes. have the free travel, so they go on travel, the train. Oh they my can God. get on the train and they can travel to wherever and come back again and go again if they wish. You know, isn't that a sad indictment for our government? Isn't it just? Yeah, but I was just reading the history of the country, right? Mm. And I actually think back in the day, we were more self-sufficient as a country. We had um, the sugar factories. Yeah, yeah. We had flour mills. Yeah. We had everything. And they just sold the whole lot out from under. And that was Kate in full flight uh, this morning, just after nine. And as I say, we're with you every weekday morning from nine o'clock. Now, there was the most extraordinary uh, sermon given at a mass in Kerry over the weekend. The Bishop of Kerry was forced to apologise yesterday over the controversial homily uh, given by Father Sean Sheehy. Here's a little of what he had to say. What is so sad today is you rarely hear about sin, but it's rampant. It's rampant. And we see it, for example, in the legislation of our governments. We see it in the promotion of abortion. We see it, for example, in the, in the example of this lunatic approach of transgenderism. We see it, for example, in the promotion of sex between two men or two women. That is sinful. That is mortal sin. And people don't seem to realize it. But it's a fact. It's a reality. And we need to listen to God about it. Because if we don't, then there's no hope for those people. And so God is also telling you and me today, look. You have a responsibility to seek out those who are lost. You have a responsibility to call people to an awareness of the fact that sin is destructive. Sin is detrimental. And sin will lead us to hell. When we, when we honor the saints on the first of this coming month, we honor people who are saints. Why are they saints? Because they repented and because they sought forgiveness. As somebody said one time, Heaven is full of converted sinners. And so today, God says to us, I have come to call sinners. But if you don't admit you're a sinner, then you're not listening to my call. And I can't do anything for you. Because it's a two-way street. Now, there are people, you see, who won't like to hear what I'm saying. But the day you die, you will find out that what I'm saying is not what I invented. It's not what I came up with. It's what God is saying. And the day you die, you will find out that is the truth. Our prayer for people is that you, it won't be too late for people. But how will people know that God wants to forgive them if we don't tell them? And that's Father Sean Sheehy there who was standing in for the regular parish priest and uh, proving, I suppose, that old-fashioned Irish Catholicism is uh, very alive indeed. And... Um, uh, more than 30 local people seemingly walked out of uh, the Mass because they were deeply offended by what Father She had to uh, say. Sersha Mackin is a Tipperary trans campaigner and Sersha joins me now. Good morning to you, Sersha. Yeah, good morning, friend. And we appreciate your time this morning. What, what do you make of that? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's 
very disappointed, but it's it's not really surprising, you know. I mean, we we know um, how uh, behind the times the Catholic Church are and have always been, you know. But there's a significant level of hypocrisy in in a lot of what um, the Catholic Church says, you know. I mean, a, a lot of the uh, things that everyone does now on a on a day to day basis are things that are, um, you know, uh, that have traditionally been frowned on um, by the church. You know, we look at things like, um, you know, we look at things like uh, contraception and uh, divorce, which is now a part of um, um, normal life. And we have all these kind of things that were once, uh, and in many cases still are, frowned on by the church. You know, I mean, it's, it's no surprise really um, that they're still stuck where they are. But it's it's a shame when, you know, when the church wonders why they're they're you know, losing numbers and they're finding it difficult to recruit priests and church numbers are dropping and, and so on that uh, they wouldn't decide to, you know, move at the times and actually welcome more people into the church. You know, I mean, there's very few organizations that are trying to, uh, that are actively trying to keep people out. You know, most organizations want to bring people in and, and have members and have higher numbers and things like that. So it's it's a shame that they don't try to make an effort and, uh and bring in more numbers to their um, mm. to their services. You know, the, the, the bishop of Kerry he he apologised. In fairness to him, he he moved very quickly to apologise. But uh, Father she is uh, standing over his uh, remarks, and he doesn't really care about anything. He says that as far as he's concerned, he's he's speaking the truth. Yeah, that, that that's um, that's obviously how he believes. Mm. Um, I mean, this is. Um, I actually hadn't heard of um of this uh, particular uh, priest before this uh, this incident. Um I did try to um look up the priest and see if I could find any information from him. It turned out to be very easy actually because there's um uh, a lot of articles on uh, on uh, national uh, media mm-hmm. where um a priest by this name from Kerry, so I'm assuming it's the same one, I could mm. be wrong, but um, a priest by this name from Kerry had previously uh, defended by writing a character reference for a sex offender. Yes. You know, so, it is the, I mean, same, this, the same priest, yes. Yeah, yeah this is the same yeah. priest. So, you know, this is obviously, you know, it's very easy for him to um, try to, you know, put people down who are, you know, gay or trans or whatever it is that uh, that he doesn't like. But, you know, we, we know the history that the church has with, um, uh, you know, child sex abuse and trying to cover it up. That's something that's been in the, the media for many years now. We understand everything that's, uh, that's been going on. And it's, it's very easy for, you know, someone like him to uh, try and uh, uh, attack as if it's sinful for someone to be gay or trans or whatever else he's he's going on about when we know the history that uh, the Catholic Church have, that his colleagues have, and that he himself has defended um, a sex offender by writing a character reference, you know? Yeah, that, um, that was uh, Danny Foley, wasn't it, uh, the convicted sex yeah. offender that he, he gave a witness statement uh, uh, for. It is interesting to contemplate, though, Saoirse, that, you know, while, as I said, the bishop was quick to apologise, but in terms of canon law, what he said is correct as the church's view, if you know what I mean. So if if the church and if the Bishop of Kerry and if bishops in general are genuine about making changes to the, you know, really deep changes to the core of Catholicism has to happen, has it not? I mean, look, the church often follows what's, you know, understandably it's it's their 
their book to church up and follows what's set in the Bible. You know, I mean, the Bible bends a lot of things that um, I'm sure many priests do nowadays. You know, the Bible blend, uh, bends uh, polyester and blended fabrics and all those kind of things. I'm, I'm sure there's um, very few priests out there who are actively looking at everything that's on their clothing to make sure they're not wearing a bit of polyester or whatever it is or mm-hmm. that their fabric is, you know, 100% cotton or, you know, things like that. The Bible bans people without testicles from attending church. Mm-hmm. Uh, it bans shellfish. I wonder how many priests have ever had a bit of, you know, shellfish in their life. Um, and also, you know, bans things like, uh, it bans things as simple as costly garments. Now, expensive is obviously um, a little bit... Um, you know, down down to each person what they consider expensive. I wouldn't imagine that a lot of the uh, robes that priests wear nowadays are very very cheap. You know, so um, yeah. th- th- there's a lot of things that um, that are apparently uh, against the the word of the Bible. But you know, mm. it, it's very easy to ignore them when it's when it's convenient to and uh, and keep them when um, you know. Yes. Um, when when it's something that they want to to avoid, but it it, it obviously seems to be the case that most of the things that uh, the Bible is against, if they're physical things or things that the priests themselves can do, such as things they can eat or wear, or whatever, they can ignore it. But when it comes to actually looking down or um, marginalising a group of people, uh, it's very easy for them to uh, to keep that. It seems. However, it was interesting, Sarah, that in a you know a rural parish, more than thirty people got up and walked out of this. You know, so that that's an indication about how how people felt. Well, it is because you know Ireland isn't the same Ireland that it was you know thirty years ago. It's not even the same Ireland that it was ten years ago. You know, we we've, we've moved on now, and we understand that. Uh, you know, a lot of what the church has been against in the past are, are now normal in, in everyday life. We see that actually in the results of, um, you know, recent referenda that we've had. You know, the the gay marriage referendum, uh, the same-sex marriage referendum passed by a, a huge majority. And actually the um, referendum on, on abortion, on repealing the Age Amendment, passed by an even bigger majority, a really, really big majority, you know. So it just shows that the vast majority of Ireland are very much in favour of, you know, moving on, understanding that, you know, people can, you know, control their own lives, mm. can control, you know, who they love, what they do with their bodies and so on. You know, the church chooses to still be behind on all of that. Um, but the reality is that the vast majority, at least, of the country are are beyond that. You know, we've moved on. So it doesn't surprise me that a lot of people in, in that area um you know, d- didn't agree with uh, with what he was saying. You know, can I, mean, can I ask you about your, your yeah. own opinion, Sergio? Would, would you like to be embraced by the church, or does it matter um, to you? I, I would. So, so I'm not. Um, I'm not Catholic myself. I consider myself to be atheist. Although I was born into, in you know, into Catholicism. Right. Um, I chose myself that to be atheist. You know, because uh, I didn't believe in it. But I would like. I know. I know people who are gay who consider themselves to be Catholics and do attend church and mm. and and I would like for them to be embraced by the church because although I don't believe in what they believe, I think that everyone is entitled to their uh, course, religious yeah. views. And, and are they hurt by something like this? I mean, is it... Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of them um, you know, understand that um, uh, the church has always been um, backwards, but obviously they would very much appreciate if they were 
uh, embraced by uh, a group that they that they believe in that they you know they believe in mm. Catholicism they yeah. believe in, in in God they believe in the Word of the Bible and and if if people believe in that they should be embraced you know I mean we should be welcoming to all religions and none um, because that's you know that's mm. the kind of um, uh, life we should live in but the reality is that um, you know any religion that uh, uh, that um, you know requires you to to hate another group is is not religion that uh, that I want to be part of, you know. Yeah, and uh, you know, in your own trans campaigning, Sergio, I just wonder. I mean, when he said, you know, when he spoke specifically about trans, and he, he called it the lunatic approach. I mean, it was very tough language, wasn't it? It was. It is very sharp language, yeah, and um, you know, I, I wonder if he's ever actually you know, sat down with, with a trans person to try and, you know, understand, you know, uh, what their life is like or, you know, um, this is what we're saying all the time is that, you know, regardless of who you are, whether you're a priest in, in the Catholic Church or whether you're um, a politician or whoever you are, uh, when you're speaking about trans people, in most cases, whether someone's speaking uh, in terms of, you know, being anti-trans or being uh, pro-trans or whatever it is uh, in most cases they don't actually speak to trans people and, and try and understand what it's like you know for us and to get from our point of view and we just want people to sit down with us and talk to us you know to understand um, you know where we're coming from and, and we'll sit down with anyone you know I, I don't really care who you are I'll sit down with you and, and tell you um, you know my story and what it's like uh, mm. for me you know so that's that's all we're asking people is just to you know, respect that and and listen to us and listen to our point of view. And I, I very much doubt that this priest has uh, has ever actually done that. You know, I mean, trans people are more than happy to discuss uh, what it's like for us, and it's it's not it's not easy. I mean, I've I've got a fairly um, thick shell. It's very hard to um, um, to um, you know get at me. But there's a lot of people who um, I know that are. You know, finding it very difficult because of the daily transphobia that they experience, or people who are afraid to come out because of what they might experience. It's, it's not easy, and uh, and the reality is that we're, you know, we're in 2022, and it was, you know, confirmed to us yesterday that Ireland has the worst transgender healthcare in the EU. You know, um, worse than some countries that um, are still very dangerous for trans people to to visit in the EU. No, you know, so. Um, well, we should be deeply ashamed of that, you know. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, you know, it doesn't make it easy when we hear, um, you know, people from, you know, who are priests or things like that, who have a lot of influence in their mm. uh, local communities as well. Uh, that, that's what I was going to put it to you, Sergio, that does this fuel, does this add fuel to people who might have a tendency to see trans people as you know, well, whatever, whatever. I won't even use the language, but do you know what I mean? Does this fuel them up in some way? Does this give them some sort of a, a you know, a, a, a credibility in terms of them having a go at trans people? Yeah, I mean, anytime someone who has some level of, um, you know, of influence, whether they're a, a politician or, or a priest in their local community or, you know, whatever it is, because they all have some level of, uh, of influence, that mm. does. Uh, you know that does um, uh, radicalise people uh, when they hear uh, things like that, and it gives them uh, 
um, you know, a sense of reason to, um, you know, to maybe attack someone, whether that's verbally or, or physically or whatever it is. Um, and and that does, does a lot of damage. You know, we've seen a big rise. Um, we've seen a massive rise in transphobia over the last few years when it should be going down, you know, but it's actually getting worse. Now, a lot of that is from uh, issues here at home. It is from... Um, you know, uh, uh, a rise in uh, the right wing at home. Mm. Uh, but it also, some of it is actually imported as well from the likes of the UK and the US. Um, you know, for example, in the US, we see um, Republican lawmakers who in many cases, um, you know, believe that they're following the word of God. Yes. You know, very often they consider themselves to be evangelical Christians and they um, talk about how, you know, trans people are, are dangerous to women when an actual factor has been more Republican lawmakers who have been uh, arrested for battery misconduct and trans people, you know. So um, it, it, it's all of this... It, it always worries me, Sergio, when any, when any group tells me that God is on their side, it, it, it always concerns me greatly. The only three and four pence worth I would throw into the uh, conversation around trans is this. I'm kind of sorry that it has become a political football because I think the easy way to deal with this and the easy way to deal with anything where where difference is concerned is inclusion to the point of, you know, kindness and saying, look, that's that's you and we embrace you and that's fine by me. It 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 needn't be that big political thing. It shouldn't be that, should it? I mean, we should never be debating the existence of a of a group or how uh, legitimate any particular group are, you know. Yeah. Uh, think, and, and that goes... Yeah. Yeah. You know that goes regardless of um, of who you of who you are. That you know, regardless of whether you're you're gay, trans. I would say that if you're you know Catholic mm. or Protestant, or whatever, everyone is entitled to, you know, um, you know how how they live. You know that goes the same as well. If you're if you're a refugee, a migrant, a traveller, or whatever it is, everyone's entitled to be, you know, to identify with 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 how they believe they are, and mm. you know whether that's. Um, you know, whether that's who you love. Well, absolutely, but do do you take my point that if it's turned into a political football, which the whole trans conversation is, it, 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 you know, it takes from what should be very simple, that everybody should be embraced, you know, like... Yeah, absolutely. It's it's trying to um, politicise a a marginalised group and, um, you know, that's what we've done for for so long in Ireland and we're, we're finally starting to, to move past that now but uh, effectively we've always tried to politicise you know who people love and uh, who people marry yeah. or who people divorce and so on uh, and even as I said who's allowed into into the church you know um, so you know it, it, it shouldn't be politicised it always has been unfortunately it probably will be for, for time to come but it is time that you know the Catholic Church look at what Ireland is today and Ireland today is not um, an Ireland that um, despises gay people or trans people or people who have abortions or people who get divorced or you know women going into a church or anything like that you know and um, it's time that the Catholic Church can move on from that now and understand where the majority of Ireland is at you know we've seen that as I said in the in the results of the referendums you know those referenda didn't pass by one or two percent um, you know they passed by a, a big margin you know they're well over 60 percent you know um, so you know, they passed by big marriage and we understand how people feel about those issues now. They're only very recent. Um, so, 
you know, it's time that the church un- understands that and moves on. And the church will probably see uh, a, a bigger uptake in the amount of people who are attending um, their services, but also joining and becoming priests and, and, and yes. joining the yeah. clergy if they if they embrace that, you know, if they allowed people to, you know, mm. get married, if they allowed women to church, if they respected um, the LGBT plus community and so on. But the church and, would actually uh, grow, is what you're saying. It, 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 of course it would grow, yeah. you know, I mean, I can't say by by how much because it, it, it wouldn't bring me back to the church, mm. but I know that there are people who would go to go to the church if they felt that they were going to be respected there, you know. Do you mind, and you need to answer this, but can I ask you your reasons for, for you know, putting the, the label of atheist on yourself after a Catholic upbringing? Can I, can I ask you what, what brought you to that decision? Uh, yeah, I, I just I just don't believe in um, in God or a lot of what the what the Bible talks about. You know, I mean, um, I, 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 I to give you an example, I, I I was looking at a conversation recently online actually um, between a, a Catholic and and an atheist, and a Catholic tried to tell the atheist, you know, if it wasn't for for us, you'd still be worshiping the moon and the stars. And the atheist replied, saying, "Well, the moon and stars actually exist." You know, um, I mean, the you know, for me, I, I just don't believe in I don't believe in God. I don't believe in in last what the what the Bible says. And and the reality is, it's it's book that was uh, written, you know, uh, over two thousand years ago in in and has been translated between several languages um, since then. You know, a lot of it is. Is not going to actually be what was originally written down. It's going to be, you know, lost in translation. We're trying to we're trying to paraphrase something that was written two thousand years ago and has been translated in several languages since then. But I mean, what it's I, what just I important to point out that the essence of Christianity is, you know, at the heart of a lot of people's lives. Uh, you know, people who do do accept uh, the 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 words of the, of the Bible. It's just important to to point that out as well, Sergio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely, and yeah. and I, I respect that. I mean, yes. what I would say is, um, you know, type. Uh, Type a phrase into uh, Google Translate and translate into a few different languages, and then back to English, you'll find that it probably says something different than what you originally put in. You know, it's it's very easy to to lose things in translation. You know, and and uh, that's not his fault. I, I, you know, a lot of my family are, you know, go to church and they're considered themselves Catholic. I respect that. I have no problem with any of that. It's it's not for me, and and especially when I see, you know, what the Catholic Church nowadays talk about and say that they believe in, and and, and then turn out to be very hypocritical and all that. You know, um, it, it's very clear that um, uh, to me that it's it's very hypocritical. They've you know they've done a lot of uh, of evil, not just in their um, in their far history, but also in in recent history as well. So it's not something that. Um, uh, that I personally identify with, but as I said, look, I, I respect people of all religions and none. Um, I don't have uh, as an issue with that. It's not for me, but I, I think that um, if your if your religion demands that you you hate people for who they are, then that's not something I want to be a part of. Sergio, we really appreciate your time today. Th- thanks for talking to me, Sergio. Thank you. Good morning. To Thank you very much, friend. Bye bye, you now, Sergio Mackin, there, Tipperary trans uh, campaigner, reacting to that sermon. By uh, or that homily uh, from Father Sean Sheehy. There, it's interesting that you know when you think of Listole, where he he um, he gave the homily um, back in 1946. It's interesting that after the unmarried mother uh, died in childbirth, the local clergy refused to let her body lie in the church overnight. I know that's 
1946, but it's interesting, isn't it, to, to hear that. Uh, but once again, in an act of defiance, local men forced open the lock gates of the parish church and they confronted the canon at the time uh, for what they saw as his own Christian uh, behaviour. But um, it's interesting. Different times, I suppose. Or are they? 1800 007. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Now, some reaction from listeners on this. Uh, One of our listeners says, The priest should be given a gold medal. Who do you serve, God or man? The bishop appears to be on man's side. Mary was on to say, Fran, there are differences between the law of the land and the law of many faiths, and uh, they're well known. The rules of engagement, it applies within all faiths. You either engage or you walk. It's like going out to play a rugby match. You won't take out a hurley. You won't put petrol in a diesel car. The rule of canon law is not buttered on both sides. Uh, We know the rules of the church, so we either abide by them or walk. We can't have it both ways, and it's not just the Catholic Church. The priests were within their rights to preach, so whether we like it or not, it's no secret, says Mary. And one more, Tom was on to say, my faith is important to me as a Roman Catholic. Father Sheehy said it as we Catholics were taught to believe. Uh, Does everybody want the church to become a la carte? Uh, church by picking out what we like to hear and discarding what we don't. All people are welcome in the church as God loves all. That does not mean that we change to accept everything just to please. Michael joins me. Michael, good morning to you. Fran, how are you doing? Long time no hear. Long time no speak indeed, Michael. <laughs> well, I, I, I hope you're well. I hope you're well. Um, Hanging into, hey, Fran, yeah. you know, I just want to say... I'm not, this is not a judgment call. I'm not judging anybody because God will have the last say. That's what I believe. But Circe was saying, I, as Emma said, I talked to the gentleman, and that doesn't matter. I think they were changed from um, a male to a female. Was But anyway, I, but don't think I'm making a judgment. But my Bible says those partakers in sexuality could be wrong. You understand? Now, whatever I want to do in my life, I don't want to stop the love of God coming into me because life could be very short. Do you understand? Mm. Now, I went into women. I went into Tonmel yesterday. I would be attracted to women, right? You know what I mean? That's my... Uh, and if people don't... I'm a male, right? No. Mm. So I'd be... So, um... But that doesn't give me to, to go into a sexuality relationship with them because I was married myself. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So, and I believe... Jesus' church is perfect. Now, Saoirse went on to say that now, the, the people, because you could take a supermarket and there could be a lot of the workers, they could be uh, taking things, but that doesn't, that doesn't put down the store, you know what I mean? The donor of the store mightn't be wrong. But I think that the people might have made mistakes in the church, but gee, I go by Jesus' cross. Jesus is forgiven and, you know, to the mercy of God, the past to the mercy of God, the present to his love, and the future to his providence. But um, that's why, and I, I don't, so I'm definitely, I'm not making judgment, but it's sometimes fine as how a person comes out. 
that priest in um and I met a lot of nice priests. I listened to them the mass on the uh, on the radio and Sundays. Pleasant voices. Mm. It depends sometimes how. And my my voice might come out a very bit strong because, well, I'm a little bit. Well, my deafness is okay, but maybe I come out a bit a little loud. But sometimes it come how a person comes out. You seem to have a fairly gentle voice, so as Emma. But that isn't a friend. How a person comes out. But that Sirsha, or excuse me, Sirsha says she doesn't believe in an afterlife. Well, I don't care if the whole, if everybody, you know, goes down one way. I believe in an afterlife. Yeah. I'm going to go after the man above. Mm. I'm, you're, I'm you're, entitled. you're entitled to that, by Yeah, but, but, but that would be my question to Saoirse. Why has she given up on the man above? You understand? Because... Maybe people have put her down. I'm not. Well, her down. well, no. I mean, no. She explained it very well and very eloquently. She is of. She's concerned that the Bible is lost in translation and multiple translations. And okay. she, according to Sersha, now this isn't me, by the way, Michael. According to yes. Sersha, she is saying that the Bible, as we know it, mightn't have a lot of credibility. Well, I think it has, and I'm. I, I always. And you're like entitled to, stress, to that, of course. Yes. Yeah, I, yeah. I like to stress always right. that um, I accept any religions, atheists, or anybody to have their say, because yeah. I will talk to anybody. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. But and and that's a healthy way to be. Can I ask yeah. you though, um, yeah, yeah. Sersha being trans, um, yeah, yeah. Do you see her as being sinful? Well, the same way. Is the Bible is, is, I haven't, you know, if I have a woman attraction, that doesn't give me a right to um, have a sexual relationship. Right, to, to act upon be, that, you're saying, yeah. And it could, it could be sinful for me. So that's why I say no. You know, I don't want to stop the love of God, you understand? Okay. So I don't want to stop my journey because I think we all know we're on a journey. Right. Like, I mean, how many people and if you, if you, if you acted, if you acted on feelings of lust, for example, Michael, do you think would you be damned? Then would you? Yeah, we, is that damned. mortal? Is that mortal sin? Well, my thoughts, everything I fall during the day, and my thoughts and actions. It says in the Bible, I just want to be put, but um, that that you can commit adultery, even looking lustfully in a woman or whatever, in the opposite attraction. Yeah, you so, can commit I mean, sin in your mind. In other words, it's kind of, yeah, it can, yeah, yeah. You don't have to be in the act. So that's why I keep going back to the man above to try and to stay, stay near to the man. But you know what? I, they have an awful lot of attacks. And whether people have no, but they're, I've, I've met people. I was in America. I've met, I've actually barbers. Uh, I've cut my hair and I don't do it. And there seem to be very gentle people, lesbians and gays. And well, they were born, but, but the act, I think, in the same way as my act, that if I keep going from woman to woman, it could be, you know what I mean? It could be. Right. Not, not damned, Fran. I don't like the... No, and and, and I was just asking, Michael. I just wanted yeah. to see where you're yeah, coming no, from. Yeah, I understand this. what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. Because, because if I'm, I could be damned every... You know, I just keep going back to that. I, I feel sure. the mercy of God. No, it's, it's, it's just, Father, she, he spoke of mortal sin and he spoke of sin and he, he was, again, yeah. quoting the Bible and he spoke about the promotion of sex between men and sex being women yeah. you a, see, a, as being sinful, yes. Yeah, you see, the way it's the way he came out. But you know what, what I... Uh, and it's not, it might be just a, there's been an awful lot of attacks 
on gay people mm. and physical attacks. Mm, yeah, and whether people know that they're gay or not, it's so, I don't know, but I mean... Well, it's hate, know, isn't it? It's hate. I, no, I, I don't even think that people know they're gay. You know, they're attacked on the streets and I don't think the other person... The attacker even knows there. Ah, uh, well, uh, some some of the attacks uh, were yeah, perpetrated yeah. on people coming from gay bars and gay nightclubs and stuff. So they knew yeah, perfectly. Could be, they but knew. It's going on yeah. For, it's, yeah. It's going on for years and years, Fran. Yeah. But um. But t- so tell I, me. Just, so could would you describe? I don't want your, to make a judgment on it because uh, because uh, a judgment I won't be on the gates of it. You know what I mean? Right. Of course. Well. Well. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Isn't yeah. that, Isn't that from yeah, the Bible? Sometimes, as well? Fran. Yes. Sometimes, Fran. I think. I think we have to be listeners. Now, and don't mind who said it. If you said something, I don't mind. Just, the search is on. The search is on for my life, for God in my life. That's You know what I mean? Yeah. So it doesn't matter if someone said something. Just, okay, he said it, she said it. Okay, I'm going to find, I'm going to search. I'm going to ask mm. God to help me and guide me in my search. Right. And whatever that said, maybe... And, and Michael, maybe can, I, can I ask you two questions? she is right or maybe right. whatever, yeah. Can right. I ask you two questions? Father Sean Sheehy, in his remarks in his homily, was he correct? That's my first question. And my second question is, what did you think of the bishop coming out and apologising for his remarks? Well, you see, the bishop came out because, of, I'd say, is it the way he came out? I didn't even notice Father Sheehy. I just heard it in the news. Because hmm. Donald Kerry, wasn't it? It was indeed list all, yeah. It, is it the way he came out very strongly, I heard? Is that the way? He didn't come out in a gentle voice. Uh, no, no, he was yeah, very well, much, it was fire and brimstone. We, we, mm, do, do you remember uh, from the missionaries all those years ago, Michael, when they'd yeah. condemn see, us maybe, to... Maybe they're right, but if they come out very, very... Um, very loudly. But, Fran, just uh, I'd like to say something. Mm. And that, that, that young people, I'd say up to 18, up to 21, I think their guardians and parents, if they're going to change from a male to a female, female to a male, I don't know, I think the parents and guardians should have some say because the, the children might have had lost some love in their life. Now, if they come up to a 21, if they're living on their own or whatever, well, maybe that's there. But, I mean, they might have lost their they might have lost their way and it and of course it depends how close the children and guardians are to their parents mm. because we want to protect our children i love all mm. the children we uh, want to protect and the of children course so that's, i don't want anything yes, to happen and, that, and that's a worldwide conversation uh, yeah, at at but, uh, the moment i yes sorry michael yes what i would say i'd be afraid um if there wasn't a closeness with the children and if the parents you know that if if the children didn't get their way, you know, if they weren't able to say, you know what I mean, mm. this is what I want, but it's the parents and guardians are paying the bills up to, you know, and they're living in their houses and yes. so when we become adults like, I mean, and I'd be afraid they'd be regrets afterwards because maybe they've lost some love and maybe they want some attention, you know, so, uh, you know so my God, God okay. help but, us but are, okay. are you saying all of that in kindness though, Michael? Are you, you know? No. You're not saying that in judgment, are you? You're saying that in kindness. I am, yes, I am. Well, I feel strongly that that I still kind of go by the that partakers in sexuality is the same as my sexuality. If I go after woman to woman to woman, I think it could be stopping the love of God, and I don't want to stop the love of God in my in my life. Right, and yes, and and, maybe, and yes. your vision of. 
of the love of God and your vision of God is it, is it a very judgmental God? Is it a God is trying to help me every day in my life. In the in when I go into the supermarket, in what I buy, I believe in the Holy Spirit trying to direct me in my life. Because if you talk to a um, an eighty year old or ninety year old that's gone very slow, or maybe in a nursing home, now that gentleman was on seventy one. He seemed to be the villain went to the match. He that's seemed right, to be yeah. very alert. I can't, yeah. but, but I mean. Um, you know, it's a journey, isn't it? And I don't know what age you are, but I'm not as uh, I'm not as um, sprightly. I'm not running around as I was when I'm yeah. in twenties. I thank God I've enough healthy. But I believe that God is trying to get me where we're going to the end of the journey. That's what I'm. You know and, what I mean? And, yeah, of course. And you're perfectly entitled to those yeah. those views, indeed. Michael, thank you so much for coming on with me, and we wish you well, may, Michael. Thank you. May God be with you and Emma and all and Alison and Cody and all. Thank Who else you. Was there? Um, oh, anyway, sure. may God be with you. Oh, <laughs> good. Bye bye to you, Michael. Thank you. Um, 1800-938-007. Back in a moment. Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter, or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Tip Today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Oh, we're getting lots and lots of reaction to Michael's uh, uh, conversation with me. And uh, what we'll do is that we'll put all of your various comments together and we will go back to this on the show tomorrow. Okay, we definitely will indeed. A conference which aims to empower young people is taking place later on this month, in fact, on November the 11th. And one of those uh, due to speak at it is a great friend of the show, consultant uh, endocrinologist Dr. Mary Ryan, who joins me now. Good morning to you, Mary. Good morning, friend. And as well as speaking, I says I'm organising it for my troubles. Absolutely, so absolutely, big, you are. Um, yeah. t- tell me what you have in mind with this, Mary. What What are you hoping to achieve? So I suppose I, we started this back in eighteen. Then I did one in nineteen, and then I did this year. And the pandemic obviously stopped us. And the reason, friend, was I saw a big need to empower people because a lot of patients were coming into me all burnt out, all exhausted everyone looking after everybody but themselves. And I think the pandemic sort of made people zone in a little bit, but it also put an extra pressure on the system. And everyone you meet now is run off their feet and they've so much pressure on. So all those patients that come into me where their hormone control centre is burnt out, they're all getting uh, heavy periods uh, irregular periods, not able to get pregnant, developing thyroid disease. Long COVID is actually one of the big things as people that get that long COVID, that affects the hormone control centre, hammers it, and that's why people are exhausted and have aches and pains. So I suppose it was, and menopause, of course, mm. I, as you know, I've toured the country on that. Sure. So I suppose this was a way of bringing people together to educate them, but also educating transition year students because we have 400 transition year students free as part of the audience. And it's about bringing a 
get brilliant caliber speakers together and panelists and educating those people. And I think when you do that, and why do I go to the bother of a conference? I think with a conference, you're getting a thousand people seated there in the University of Limerick. Mm. You're getting the best of speakers, the best of panelists, and you're getting the tradition years who are the young people that we need to educate as well. And it allows a sort of a forum to start a, a message and go a ripple effect on from that and I saw that in 18 and 19 that we really ch- created a change and by doing a conference it sort of gathers everyone together, makes people think and then you change legislation like look what's happened with menopause already of you know course, since yeah. we started in 17 so I think that it's time to get uh, you know everyone together and we'll discuss a wide range of issues about empowerment equality about how we can move things on particularly for women but also for everyone Everybody else as yes, well. because it's and for men and women, Mary, isn't it's it? It's for men and women. It's for both. Yes. I mean, the suicide rate in men is is, yeah. is dreadful. What can we do to help them? What what can we do to empower everyone? We've got male and female there. We've got traditional students actually from St Mary's, and we've also got traditional students from the vocational school in Nina, and they'll all be debating the team. One of they send a representation from each. Um, they've done a final among themselves, and they'll send a representative, and they'll debate the team on stage, which I think is lovely because it's young people we need to educate and empower as well and to, to get them at that age I think is fantastic Absolutely. so it's, it's you know and you've speakers there, uh, friend, as you can see, like don't, Dr. Tony Humphries, you know when I spoke to you about your book show, he's one of my favourites. Uh, you know, he talks all about the, uh, self-esteem, the inner child, uh, how about the, the powers within you, how to grow. Uh, he really touches back on, on things that we all, as children, you know, didn't know enough about, and he really brings you back to, to, to the very beginning. So he's an amazing yes. speaker to get, and to have got him on the day is wonderful. So and who else speaking. is speaking, Mary? So with him, we have Aidan Aidan O'Brien. Aidan O'Brien is a great motivator. I know all the children, well everyone will love him. He's a professional coach and motivator but he's skilled and he's international but he's from Limerick and is coming back to do this for us so I'm thrilled. He's actually living over in Portugal at the moment so I'm delighted he's coming back especially. We've Una O'Hagan who's an entrepreneur. She's involved in in education in Trinity. She's also an MD of nine pharmacists but she's huge into education people about uh, you know their health and about how we can improve uh, health and improve knowledge of why people are taking medications and why they need to take them. So she, she's a really wonderful person. Then we have um, Laura Dowling, who again is another entrepreneur, very much targeting people how to get up. She set up her own self- business, um, you know, got off the ground from nothing. So, so these people are always lovely to listen to. How do they manage it? How are they How are they doing it? And particularly for the students listening, that would be great. And then we have um, a domestic uh, a blue story. Noelle Grant Matthews, a lovely lady that I met when I was giving a talk above in Meath, she came out and told her own story in domestic abuse. And of course, you know that our rates of domestic abuse are dreadful. We really need to change that. Absolutely. And we'll only change yeah. that with education and with saying that it's just not tolerable and that we're all equal and nobody's better than anybody else. And that's the only way you get rid of abuse. So that's, that's what we're, we're doing. And then we have some amazing panellists from right across Munster who represent um, you know, the, the, like we have Doris, we have Children in Grief, we have Novas, we have the, the Ukrainians, we have the refugees, we have domestic abuse, we have the rape crisis centre. So it's it's right across the board uh, with the education system as well. We've we've all these people, um, you know, talking mm. about uh, with a lot of doctors there as well who will come on and medical students who will come in on those panels and just sort of say how they did it, and hopefully they'll empower others to how they will 
they, they will cope with with what they're going through. That's and I myself yeah. then will speak, yeah, will talk about, speak about health, hormone mm. health, and and how it all integrates into if you look after yourself, how your hormones control your muscles and your immune system, friend. And are, are, are we at the other. most? Are we at the most difficult time that you might have seen in your career, Mary? For example, in terms of how we are with our mental and physical health. I think so. I, I never. I saw huge pressures on people after the pandemic. I never saw the public so stressed as they are now, uh, and everyone is saying it. You know, no matter who you deal with, they'll say, "Oh God, people have got very difficult." And I think what's wrong is people are very stressed. The pandemic frightens them. It, um, it taught them about their immortality, which they, you know we don't think about until we, you know, until we think it's years on. I think it, people w- worry fiercely about that. What's happening? Um, and I think as well as that, people, older people were locked away for two years. All of us lost out in two years. There's huge anger about that. So I think all of those things have come to play as well as a, a real concern for health. And then, of course, we have, because of everything that's happened since the pandemic with the war and with the, mm. with the energy crisis, there is huge pressure on people. So everything is coming together at just such the wrong time. And it is affecting people. And, of course, stress affects your hormones, which will affect your health. And all of this is playing into to people's hormonal health. So uh, I think things are very difficult for people at, at the moment. Uh, and as I said, everything has happened together. It's like an absolute, you know, fireball. Perfect going together. storm, as they say, Mary. Perfect storm. Yes. But I suppose what's lovely is that we, have, we all have to sit back, protect each other, talk ourselves through it, yeah. support each other. That, that's the only way we can do it. There's no point shouting at the hilltops. We just have to sit back and, say, and t- t- take the view of all these experts but also listen to them and how do how do we support ourselves and how do they support uh, themselves in their time of crisis. Absolutely. I think you can learn an awful lot from these people. Like Tony Humphreys, I've listened to him several times, I listened to him in America once and there was about 3,000 people in the, in the, um, the congregation listening to him. Incredible guy but just brings it all back to a very simple message of how we, 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 how we should you know, look after the inner child, how we really empower themselves, that we are our own power and it's you know how to deal with stress, how yes. to deal with things that come in life that none of us are expecting. All those basic things that when life gets so busy we, we just don't have time to do. So, so I, I think that's We're important. talking about Friday, November the 11th uh, then, Mary. If people want to go along, can they do so? And if so, how, yes. how can they do and that? And please do, because I want a full house. So yes. bring the University Concert Hall on the 11th of November, uh, or doing it straight away and book your ticket for Friday, 11th of November, which is Friday week. For, for the entire day, which is half nine to half three, it's only 30 hours and that includes um, your lunch and your tea so it's if for nothing because we're getting it yes. subsidised it's brilliant and whatever we've left over we should you know whatever it is we give it to charity we're not doing it only for you know to, to bring people together the last two conferences I felt really changed people people came back and said that was fantastic when you're doing the next one of course we couldn't because of the pandemic of course, but yeah. now we're just trying to help people can, so get on the phone and ring the concert can, I, can I give that number it's 061 so that's 061 061- Three three one five four nine. I presume you can do that online as well, Mary, or can you? Can you can do it online, absolutely. Yeah. And I have four tickets for your audience as well, oh, friends. So good. I'll send them in, and you can just uh, give them out and do it on a, a competition. And and they're oh, more than welcome. Oh, we'd be delighted to Four free tickets. No, no, I, I'm I'm really would love people to come now because I think it'll do them the world of good. And it's a bit of pampering that people need, right? Absolutely. After what been and through. it's happening from about half past nine in the morning. I think is it half past nine in the morning to half three in the afternoon, and obviously breaks. 
for lunch, a break for tea. Uh, but it's going to be very entertaining. We've got a great uh, fitness expert there as well to liven things up. I've been at conferences where you have these lovely little fitness people. And I think that's a good thing to do, Fran. All right. Well, it's, it sounds great, Mary. And we'll keep reminding people about it as well. Thank you. Always good to talk to you, Mary. Thank you so much. Thank you. Good morning to you. you. Bye-bye to you now. That's uh, Dr. Mary Ryan there. Mary, of course, consultant endocrinologist, and she's a wonderful speaker herself. So November 11th, put that in the diary. And just to give you that number one more time, it's 061-331-549. Or indeed, you can uh, book online as well where that is uh, concerned. Um, yeah, I don't have that to hand at uh, the moment, but uh, the phone number should suffice anyway if you want to get along to that. That's it for me. Uh, my thanks to Emma, who produced, and to Ali, who looks after our content. Stephen is on the way with uh, the Time Tunnel. And I will talk to you tomorrow. Look after yourselves. Bye-bye. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.